Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being back with us here it is monday march 1st thankfully 2021 and it is episode number 213 we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Morata, that guy right there michael quinn how you doing michael howdy diddy. february over good done enough 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 with the snow (laughs) i know it stinks now obviously we got three weeks left of winter but we're gonna ignore that fact it's spring as far as i'm concerned folks yeah springtime and we're gonna spring into some retro wrestling oh i see i see how we're gonna do it (laughs) you see how it goes Uh Uh, but before we do that why don't you spring on over to twitter at ovp podcast you can follow us there the reason to follow us there quinn is the drama free wrestling clips yep Drama. There's less none of, of it. it. None of it. <laughs> yeah, less, less of it. None less, of it. None. What it, it's Zero. Our, we don't have it. We don't do it. It's not, it's not over there. We but now other people argue in our comments and everything on Twitter. But well, they I, can do that. We don't it, get involved. It's separated from the post. There's like little lines <laughs> that yeah. say don't. It's not part of you this. You click the little thing and yeah. it's a separate world there. But yeah, if you want like dozen clips a day on Twitter, retro wrestling stuff, go to at OVP podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is vppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if you want a place to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics, where can you go? Over at facebook.com slash spring. It's a wonderful site. Now, what do you do? flowers and stuff and all that. Yeah? And a little OVPs. Little bunnies? Yeah, next to the the OVPs, whatever those are. You have a little OVPs. Yeah. Anyway, over there, there's a search bar. Everyone knows about the search bar. Oh, I don't. It's what a is hot it? feature. What do you um, do? But in that search bar, you type our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tube, gork, kafloey, and then you're in. You, you hit the group in. button. But there's always a rule. Yes. We, know, we know the rules. And that rule is don't be what? A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. And basically what that means is don't be a jerk. Can we say that? Yeah, we don't accept the jerkuses. No, we don't like you we don't, a jerk. No, no jerkus. And that just means, honestly, you know, people post opinions, questions, comments, you know, funny things. No one is going to agree on everything in wrestling. And I think that's pretty obvious, right? If you look at the internet, you've heard of the internet. Yeah, the internet. And, and Facebook is on the internet. Yeah, the Facebook. Right. But the whole point in the group is if you disagree you say this i respectfully disagree mm-hmm. chuck mess yeah uh, but just don't be mean to each other no personal attacks and things like that but it is a fun time if you have a facebook and you want to do something useful with it go to our group and join it and don't be a dunderhead it'll be a good time another thing you can do and this is for the people that like our show already if you're listening for the first time i don't expect you to be running over to this website but if you want more ovp content let's say you've been listening for a couple of months maybe a few years whatever the case may be patreon.com slash ovp podcast pay-per-view reviews the 1983 canon uh, it's now march quinn which means SummerSlam 92 wow right around the corner rocco the and motorcycles <laughs> yeah rocco and motorcycles a crush versus repo man as demolition explodes not fake crush no real crush okay it'll be a really fun time again that's if you want extra ovp content we make it really affordable for you just visit patreon.com slash ovp podcast and now, Michael, it is time for our new opening segment for this season. It's new. It's new. And this segment, folks, 
is where Quinn and I are talking about some things that maybe don't hold a popular opinion. You know, people like uh, Mongo, we talked about in our opener. People he, don't see so him, good. but we defend him, right? Yeah. And then Sid last week, another Mr. one. Mr. Udi. <laughs> Mr. Udi. Yeah. And this time around, it's not a wrestler. This is OVP's In Defense Of. Quinn, this was your pick. What are we defending today? In your house, it's time. Oh, it's time, baby. It's time, but it's not Vader time because he's not even there. No, he's, he would have been, but things. <laughs> and now, Milton Bradley Karate Fighters presents WWF In Your House. It's time. All right, so In Your House, It's Time, folks, was their December In Your House of 1996. And the reason I think it needs some defending, Michael, yeah, is it is not well-regarded <laughs> whatsoever. Well, okay, so it's got a couple things going against it. It doesn't have Vader, right, first of all, even yeah, it's though it's called It's him. Time, right? Yes. Second of all, it's the December pay-per-view, <laughs> which was always, like, notoriously shit. It's like, why are we here? Right. Nobody wants to do we anything. Want Royal Rumble already. And not even just that. It's just, like, even the wrestlers are kind of like, I just want to be home with my <laughs> right. family. Like, what is this crap? What are we doing here? It's true. None of this matters anyway, because, like you said, the Royal Rumble's coming up. That's really all they're building towards here. And, and this is during the era, folks, obviously. The earlier in your houses were only two hours. In this case, I think this one's like an hour 48. Okay, I'm going to say that's a point in its favor. I agree with you. Hour 48, that is a great time for a pay-per-view. I agree with you there, It's time. It is time. And you know what that time is? An hour 48. Yeah, there you go. And you know what? This is during a period of time where WCW was kicking the teeth out of the WWF. Oh, yeah. You can see how shitty they are in this pay-per-view. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, this is WCW on the other channel there is building towards... Whatever you think of the match, Roddy Piper coming back to take on Hulk Hogan at Starcade. Right. There's the NWO. You got cruiserweights. Even from a presentation, though, WCW is in like big arenas. They're in like whatever this, <laughs> this, this place is. This is the Civic Center in West yeah. Palm Beach. What, is this where the local theater <laughs> does its thing? Because yeah. it looks like it. Way the hell off Broadway. It, um, it's, it shows online that it has an attendance of 5,708. A hot crowd, though, were Huge. They? <laughs> the Palm Beach County Convention Center is the premier destination for your next conference, convention, trade show, meeting, or social event. One of the reasons this pay-per-view is maligned a bit is because there's a perception that nothing rewatchable or nothing important happens at it. I beg to differ. I beg as well with yeah. you because Quinn and I both watch and skimmed through this yeah, yesterday. Yeah, not like review. No, 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 This no, isn't going to be a review no, no, no. Of in your house this time, although don't worry, you'll get that eventually. Eventually. 2023, I in, think that'll be coming depth. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this is a fun show and it is consequential. There is a couple of things yeah. that actually matter here, but let's set the stage, Quinn, because this takes place during a period of time that I feel like is severely overlooked in WWF's build oh, yeah. towards the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. It's this it's this controversial like the end of 96 when basically like let me sum it up for you everyone hates everyone. That's that it. that is the angle. It's so simple. You got a lot of heels wrestling other heels, faces aren't getting along. Yeah. And I think the reason you you can't do this all the time in wrestling, you have to have normally yeah. defined characters. But who, I haven't seen this right. level ever. Like in the history of wrestling, where there, there, there's almost no say, faces. They, they say shades of gray. Literally, like the whole roster is shade. There is not one person that isn't like cutting some corners because a lot of bullshit is going right. on. Right. And this was a nice break from the norm. The, these few, last few months in '96, where they started doing that, 
because it desperately needed the freshening up. Sorry, it's better than Aldo Montoya, the face, taking yeah. on Manta or the heel from a year before. And, and let's be honest here. There is still some remnants of shit. Oh, yeah. And I actually feel like that sets this weird foundation right from like the ashes of crap right. that you can <laughs> still like see around right. the main event and mid-card scene. Yep. Like you can still see that on the edges. Yep. But the top guys are all like, fuck you, fuck you. Everyone. I don't like I hate you. You're terrible. Like, and they're all they're all kind of like, who can be the king of shit, basically. Right. Uh, to give you some perspective, folks, Sean and Brett are feuding. They're both technically faces, but they're both acting like assholes. But Steve Austin, who's technically a heel but getting cheered, is fucking with Brett, but also fucking with the Bulldog, who's a right. heel. But Brett is okay with Bulldog, but not Owen. Meanwhile, Sid is the champion. He's like a tweener, but a face. Kind yeah. of, and he was just like, I'll fight anyone, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's so crazy. You got a lot, and, and there's even people who aren't on this paper, like we said, Vader. Who yes. Like, I, if you watch, I watched the Raw the, the night after, the first fucking match in the Raw after. Is it him versus Austin? It's Austin versus Vader, yeah. and Brett, like, <laughs> bothers Vader yes. because he caught, because he attacks Austin, and Vader's like, what the fuck? I could have beat him. It's- now I got disqualified, so fuck you, Brett. Like, you know, like, and then Vader starts attacking Brett. This is what I mean. This, like, it's, if everyone doesn't like each other, you know what happens? The people who aren't involved, the minute they fight one of these people in this nexus, they get sucked in. Yes. And it's not like they get put on one side or the other. There's no they, side. They just end up hate it, being part of the circle of right. hate. Like, they hate everyone, too. And this is what builds into 97 with the Rumble and the Final yeah. Four and ultimately WrestleMania. Let's run down the card real quick, Quinn. You want to do that? Just real sure. quick. Um, so there's the debut on this card of Flash Funk. Do you remember him debuting at this time? Because I felt like it was like a year earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go ahead and dance. Let's get a shot of this, folks. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Yeah, here's the leader of the I'm WWF right there. Come on. Loosen up, JR. Oh, I'm loose. All right. you. And he's taking on, interestingly, Leaf Cassidy, who who doesn't have the new Rockers music. So, I want to say something about the look on Leaf Cassidy it's here. Good. He looks like Al Snow just with the mm-hmm. Leaf. It's, he's full, like, Al Snow mode. He's like, not he's got happy. the goatee. Yeah. Like, everything. He's Remember, the, the storyline with the Leaf is that he slowly went crazy throughout 96 and 97. Yeah, but we didn't get to see the crazy unless right. we turned to ECW, Correct. where we got to see the descent into madness right. complete. Yep. Although it was already kind of there in WWF. Yep. Like, this, you know, I got to say something about Al Snow. I like that he took his storyline from WWF and like continued it once he got fired. Yes, it's great. Like, it's it's and amazing. Then he brought it back into WWF. Right, and it all Al connected. Snow. Like if it's you good. watch Al Snow from WWF Leaf Cassidy, right? Yep. Back to ECW to WWF, it's complete continuity. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's supposed to be that he like lost his shit as Leaf Cassidy. Right, it's yeah. It's great. And you know what? This match pretty damn good. It's a It's not bad. Meaningless match, but it's a nice opener. The tag match that's after Quinn. So Owen and the Bulldog tag <laughs> champions. This is during the era where they're wrestling a lot of heels too, but they are heel, but people love Bulldog they're again. They're but look who they're fighting. <laughs> who are they fighting? Fake Diesel and fake Racer, the fake outsiders. <laughs> and on top of it, <laughs> JR is still like heel, but he's only heel when they're wrestling and he's like, this isn't fair. Or <laughs> the fake... They're good. Fake. They're, they're good. They should have won the match. Big hosses. Yeah, and the other they thing, went to high school and all this. <laughs> the other thing is, too, in this pay-per-view, the charm of it is that it looks shitty on, on oh, TV. Oh, it's a dump. It's a like, dump. Let me just illustrate its dumpiness. You know how, like I said, this is the December pay-per-view, right? Yep. And they always, at the December pay-per-view, there's a little bit of a Christmas theme going on usually, Slightly. right? Slightly. Yeah. At this, they just put some, like, tinsel on the, like, entrance, but not even <laughs> on all of it. 
and there's not even lights on it. It's just like evergreen, like yeah, just that shitty. they like found at Home Depot or something. And they're like, oh, it's like somebody that day remembered, oh shit, this is the December. Pay- somebody go run out to the the hardware store and like get just, Sinkle. just something so that we can make it look like oh we're it's Christmas. Do you have any tinsel? Yeah. Um, and fake razor and diesel, obviously, Glenn Jacobs and Rick Bogner. Jr. is a fake heel during the fake razor and fake diesel. But the other thing is there's some technical difficulties. JR's mic sounds like it was dunked in mustard the whole show. <laughs> I didn't even think I didn't terrible. even notice that. You that's something you would notice. It's gonna be Diesel starting it off. He'll set the tone. The big power man. Six nine, six eight and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood, three hundred pounds. Now wait a minute, you said he was seven feet at one time. What is it? Well, just under seven feet. I'm being honest about it. <laughs> and now during this match, can we mention that because of the, the Royal Rumble is going to be held in San Antonio, which is very close to Mexico, uh, where there's a promotion called AAA, uh, Cibernetico and Pierroff, yeah. they come out and no one cares. It's amazing. So they come out and like... During this match. They come out and like they, they make a big stick and like JR's like, man, they're calling him out. And like, you know, he's like, he's like saying this stuff. And me- meanwhile, the crowd's like... They're just silent, like nobody even knows who they are. And and to exemplify how silent it actually is, then like a couple minutes later, Stone Cold, <laughs> who has a problem with British Bulldog for some for reason, no reason, like no, I don't really understand where this came from. But now Stone Cold's like, "Fuck you, too, British Bulldog." So then Stone Cold comes out, and everyone's like, "Yeah!" Like so, it's like that just shows you those AAA guys meant nothing. One of them takes their shirt off and they try to act like that matters. Remember yeah. <laughs> Pure Off or Cybernetico? All you hear is <laughs> here off in the cybernetical outstanding athletes, phenomenal high flyers, great technical athletes, yeah. and uh, obviously in pretty darn wait, good wait, condition. And distracting the bulldog. And the, JR's like, oh, they're high flyers. They're not. They're like 260. They both look really fat. <laughs> they look bad. Um, anyway, Owen and also Bulldog. wearing dress pants. <laughs> they look terrible. I don't know what that was about. Owen and Bulldog win. Everyone cheers because right. fuck fake razor and diesel. Oh, he's illegal. There's also a pretty good Intercontinental title match, Quinn. That, again, it's a good match. It didn't lead to anything, but Mero uh, took on Triple H. It's not bad. And I gotta say, I like the little Toddster promo before it. Like that's. Can we just note another thing about its time, which is like oh. why it's so amazingly shitty? What is that like? Not even Todd shows up. No, for it's it. Kevin like, Kelly and Doc. Not, there's a lot of Doc, a lot of Kevin Kelly, <laughs> yes. but there's. Why is Todd not there? He's not even. He, he definitely did, still works there. He's, oh, he's in the other, video packages. He's had other ones in '97. Yeah. This is just beneath him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I got some PLJ shit to do today or something. Uh, my name is Richie Mumu Dorkelwad. No, I know that your favorite match, Quinn. This is my favorite match on the entire card, and I don't care what anyone says. The Undertaker. This is um. He's in the Stones Are So Cold era by right, now. Yeah. Right? He, he got killed or whatever and, he, and buried, buried alive, alive and yeah. then he came back as like stone so cold. Yeah. He's taking on Terry Gordy, who is wearing the executioner <laughs> costume. Yeah. And he's um, got Paul Bearer too. Yeah. And it's basically a last man standing match. It's called Armageddon Rules. But the best part of this is how stupid it is and what happens in it. It's amazing. So it's just basically like a brawl. Yeah. But it spills out into the crowd and then further spills out into like the backstage. And then there's like a part where they're fighting and they go out a door and then what's amazing, first of all, <laughs> first of all, the funniest part is like, hey, this is like the cheapest shit ever and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So they have like a camera there, right? And then you just see a pile of fucking kids <laughs> like chase them. It's real. And the camera's just on these kids chasing them for, for like minutes. It's so like funny. Like you just see like, 
twelve year olds like from Florida <laughs> just like running through the hallways. It's like where are they? Where are they? like all over the place, right? Yep. Oh, wait a minute. executioner is running for his life he's running out of the building and you're not seeing the wrestling anymore and then all of a sudden there's like a hard cut yep. and the executioner is just falling rolling. rolling down a fucking hill into like this crappy pool in front of the civic center <laughs> right and you're like what even happened and like <laughs> and then like they quickly then after that they brawl a little bit and then they cut back in and then there's like other things going on in the ring. Well, you got Mankind like wandering into this match yeah, to try to liven it up. Right. He got involved before and they're like putting Mankind into a fucking straitjacket for no reason. Well, like, no, seriously, like who has dictated that Mankind Gorilla's like, out there. I know Gorilla's, gorilla's there, but how does Gorilla have authority to put a man in a straitjacket? He's the president and <laughs> one of Gorilla's famous, famous phrases, straitjacket material. Well, he puts him in a straitjacket. <laughs> he's like, you get in there, man. And they take Mankind away and he's making a whole scene he's like eh, eh, like as they're like t- getting him away it's a scene yeah. the whole thing is a wonderful scene by right? the time mankind gets out of there then undertaker and executioner literally like teleport back it like they don't they like jump cut back the magic of pre-taping yeah and did i mention by the way that undertaker and executioner almost broke the house set <laughs> yes. on, on, during all of this and like paul bear's like hiding in the doorway the whole match or something <laughs> it's so funny yeah and this is not a good match people give this negative stars i don't care it's, it's amazing it's fun yeah um and then in the main event Sid, remember the champion he beat Sean mm-hmm. at uh, WrestleMania, I mean, uh, Survivor Series 96, right. taking on a very moody Bret Hart, because Bret yeah. Hart's, like, tired of getting fucked with and screwed around. And on top of it, because Sean's, like, got the match already, like, in the bag at the Royal Rumble, yes. they decide, like, let's put Sean a commentary. Like, Vince is all excited about it at the beginning of the show. It's like, we're going to have Shawn Michaels here. Like, it's going to be great. And this is when Sean was, like, doing a... Not a heel turn, but he was acting like a heel more. So he's acting like a heel, but he also has this huge issue with beating up an old man. Yeah. Like, he he's like, this is fucked up. Like, Sid's fucked up. He yep. beat up my my dad or whatever he is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so Shawn Michaels, on one hand, like, he's acting really facey with the whole, like, you don't beat up an old man. And then on the other hand, he's like, you got to be yourself. Yeah. And I'm a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care. And you got to accept it. And that's just right. You and, know? And he's all over Brett's case on commentary oh, yeah, and the he whole just, time. He just, in general, doesn't like Brett Hart. No. For no, like... No real well, Brett no, doesn't like him either. No real reason that's been defined in the story other than you're supposed to assume that because of WrestleMania they don't like each other. Like there's yeah. no like established like breaking point. Not really, but Brett's Brett had been hinting at it in promos since he came back that he doesn't right. you know, I don't really like Shawn Michaels. You know, you know, boy toy. Yeah, boy toy. So anyway, what happens is they get into a tizzy, Michaels gets on the apron, Brett collides with him, and Sid gets so, the win. So I want to point out something that's interesting after I kind of where we watched and skimmed. Yes, if you skimmed. actually watch what happened, this is a rare case of Sean not being too much of a jerk. Yeah. What happens is Sid like punches Shawn Michaels or something. Yes. So then Shawn Michaels is like, fuck you, because already there's the existing history with Jose Lothario. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'm going to make Sid pay, right? So he gets on the apron. Meanwhile, like while that's happening, there's like an Irish whip going on. Yes, that's and like Sid whips Brett into Sean. Yep. So it's actually, Sean's not even going after Brett. No, he's not. But because this happens, now Brett has a big problem with Sean. Yeah, and Brett gets pinned, by the way, with a powerbomb. Powerbomb! 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 Pow
So Sid wins because of all the stupidness yeah, going which on. Which is awesome if you think that, about it. And if you think about it also, what's really cool is that Sid technically caused all of it in this case. Yes. Because he 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 triggered Sean. Yep. Sean got in the way and then he, yeah. He it's just all, beats Brett. It's yeah. just funny. Well, he does rule the world. If you have a spare less than two hours, I would recommend mm-hmm. rewatching this if it's been a while. There is no... It's time to rewatch it's it. It's time, exactly. Yeah. There... Listen, I get that there's maybe not a classic match on here or anything, yeah. but good lord, is this a fun, chaotic time, right? We didn't right? even mention some of the other storyline stuff going yeah, on, ahead. like fucking Ahmed Johnson in oh, like yeah. a blue sweatsuit. <laughs> the fancy like, one. <laughs> it like starts, you, you're going down and like Nation of Dominations on yeah, AOL and you're shit. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, there's like other things going on in between all of this that is like worth it. You know what I it mean? It is. It's a, I, for me, it's a really good snapshot of a period of time that I didn't fully appreciate when it was happening. No, and then you look back and I think what stood out to me the most is how simple the the, the premise is of the storyline but how like it's never ever been done ever again. The All idea, the chaos. The, it's just the, the simple concept of everyone hates everyone, there's no defined anything. It's like this thing that, it's like this vortex that just keeps getting bigger, or maybe a hurricane that keeps sucking up things right, and get, yeah. getting bigger and bigger or bigger. And like, that's really the basic concept of this entire roster right now. Yeah, and a lot of it is Steve Austin's fault, which is really funny. Yeah, and actually, you know, I was actually taking a minute after it was after I watched a lot of this footage over again, and I was thinking about it, and I'm, I'm thinking, what is actually the trigger point of all of this, if right. you really think about it? And actually, I, I was able in my head to trace it back that really the, the, the origin story of all of it is Brett versus Sean at WrestleMania 12. Hmm. The you know fallout what? of that. Yeah, because Brett is still like very pissy. Because Brett goes away, right? And yep. then the next step after a couple months is Austin, Austin calling him out, right? Right. And then Austin gets involved with Brett. And then that starts like sucking up. And meanwhile, Sean and Brett don't like each other. So you have these three guys in this kind of triangle of shit. Yep. And then like Sid gets involved and Vader, Vader and, and Undertaker, and Undertaker even the Nation of Domination yeah. and like like all these people. So it's actually like the origin origin is the fallout of WrestleMania 12. I agree. That's actually a really good insight there, Quinn. Yeah. And I would say it's a fun show. I, I right. think it's worth defending. I think it doesn't get talked about ever. Uh, it did a horrible buy rate. I think 90,000 people watched it, which means a lot of people missed out on a fun time. They missed out on a good time. It on, was time. On its time. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks, uh, if you have nothing else, Michael, we'll send it home here. If you haven't checked this out, I just encourage you, if you have a little bit of time, because it is worth your time. It, you don't even need a lot of time to watch It's Time. <laughs> That's right. But folks, when we come back, it'll be time for the Royal Rankings. That's right. We're going to be taking two more names out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of WrestleMania main events. And that'll be coming up right after this. Hey, just a reminder, guys, that the official sequel to WrestleFest, the arcade game, Retromania, is out right now. You can get it on all your favorite consoles. You can also get it for PC. And remember, this has real wrestlers in it. We're talking about the Road Warriors, Nick Aldis, even an appearance from our very own Ian Riccoboni. Check it out. If you like retro wrestling and you like video games, you're going to want to get your hands on Retromania. Get it now at RetromaniaWrestling.com. Well, let me 
me say one thing about Psycho Sid. Sure, Psycho Sid is six foot nine, but Psycho Sid, this isn't gonna be a wrestling match. This is gonna, you can take all the technical wrestling and you can throw it right out the window. Cause Psycho Sid, for the longest time, for six, seven, eight months, I've thought about one thing. I've thought about being the World Wrestling Federation Champion again and again and again. So I want one thing, I want that title, and you're standing in my way. Now Psycho Sid, when you snap, people call you Psycho Sid. But when I snap, they're gonna call me the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And I don't really care how big you are or how bad you are, but I can promise you one thing. This Sunday, you will be excellently executed by the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here. It is Monday, March 1st, episode 213. And Mr. Quinn, Mr. Quinn, yes. uh, we have a Patreon, right? We, we got it. Now, we don't talk about it too much for too long on, a, on this show. No. We don't want to bore anyone and go into overdrive here. What's the point? Extra content? You get extra stuff. That's you it. like this, you get more. That's it. <laughs> That's all it <laughs> That's is. It. That, that sums it all up. Okay, bye. Yeah. See ya. Thanks for being with us. Uh, there's two extra shows that we do. One is bi-weekly. It's mm-hmm. $2 a month on Patreon. And it's the 1983 canon. Right. Which started, Quinn, as the 1982 canon. Right. It morphed. It morphed, right? It's yeah. If you want to see what really, like, that rock show is about, you watch this. <laughs> young Rock. Yeah. We have Young Rock. Yeah. Week by week, we watch Championship Wrestling. And it comes out every other week on pa- on Patreon. You can see the old ones on our YouTube and on this podcast yeah. feed. Uh, but you can listen along with us or you can watch the video version. We're basically just going through every episode of Championship Wrestling. We are now in October of 83. The fourth quarter of 1983. We will soon be in 1984. Fourth marking period. Fourth marking period. Grades will be coming in soon. That's right. And it's just a fun time. When it's a very casual show, it's definitely different than this one. Totally different canon. It's a watch along, but a listen along too if you want. And yeah. we have a lot of fun doing it. It's a it. live review. Exactly. And it's two bucks a month. And you can get it if you want to. Now, the only other tier is $5 a month. Right. Five. That's so it. Increase your donation That's by it. $3. That's it. So yeah. five bucks is what maxes you out. And you get the 1983 canon, but you get the other separate show that we do, which is the WWF pay-per-view reviews. Whoa. And we do those in order, which means we started with the first WrestleMania. Out right now is WrestleMania 8. And coming out very soon, very, very, very soon for March, will be SummerSlam 92. These are full-length audio reviews. We're talking in the neighborhood of anywhere from three to four hours sometimes. It's crazy. It's a lot of content for $5, really. It is, because that could last you the whole month if you want to listen to it in chunks. And even now, I mean, $5 gets you, like, hours and hours of the back catalog. Yeah, check it out if you want to. Uh, We have a lot of fun with them. The people, obviously, that subscribe, they seem to really like them. And this is if you want more OVP content. If you are content with the content... See what I did there? Oh, I see. (laughs) It's a homonym. Um, You can just listen to the free show every week. It'll always be here. And we won't annoy you with countless plugs. This is the last one. You won't even hear it mentioned again. Amazing. Okay? Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Now, Michael... 
Yes. It's time for the Royal Rankings, which right. is... Uh, Royal oof, Rankings. This is big. It's huge. Huge. It's, it's huge. Now, if you're new to the show, folks, what the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush are is each season, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, over on Facebook to give us a list of your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was a big one. It's WrestleMania main events. It's a big one. It is a big one. And we uh, have our chief statistician, Joe Merkel. He takes all of your votes and he compiles them and puts them into two separate tanks. One contains all the best and one contains all the worst. We alternate each week and we take two names out by random drawing and we rank them. That way, at the end of the season, you will have the definitive baptized, ordained, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Quinn, the rankings was a mixed reaction, uh, much like (laughs) you know, you had some points uh, on your side there. We had a very close one. People Uh, are talking about just this first one on week one. Yeah, to run it down for you, Rock Hogan from eighteen just edged out Undertaker Sean from twenty five. Right. I understand every argument for Undertaker Shawn Michaels. Undertaker Shawn Michaels is one of the best wrestling matches that WWE has ever done. Uh, on WrestleMania, and too. Let alone at the WrestleMania. It is absolutely fantastic. The only problem is Quinn didn't fight hard enough for it, and uh, I prevailed. What? What? Why is it my fault? You gave in. Well, <laughs> I saw what you meant. I mean, like, it's oh, moment-wise. See, see like, we are sympathico. Like, it's not like it's that big of a difference. No, it's very close. Yeah. Hair. Yeah, Larry, Larry Hair. Larry, we'll get to Larry Hair later. It's <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> the best name. Anyway, what, I don't want to spoil it. No, no. Uh, before, we, before we do that, why don't we go down to find out the next two that are coming out? Because it, it's already controversial after Larry, week one. As controversial as Larry Hair. We're, we're not going <laughs> to get any... People are going to be upset no matter what we do the rest of the right, season yeah. now. So let's just say, fuck it. Let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal rankings ladies and gentlemen it is now time for the royal rankings the irresistible force meeting the immovable object of Wrestlemania main events week number two Quinn people have been been anticipating this one it's the uh, granddaddy of them all it is the grandpappy of them all uh-huh. and it's very exciting to uh, to rank these Wrestlemania main events it's something we haven't done in this form I want to ask you though uh, just as a quick refresher what do you think makes a good main event at a Wrestlemania it's memorable okay. it's a good match um, it's got two big names yep there's Title a, there, on the line, possibly. Yeah, doesn't have to be. I mean, I don't, doesn't I don't have to need be. that. I mean, Undertaker versus Sean is a perfect example. Yeah, of a number two right I don't now. I yeah. absolutely need that. But it just has to be something that I look back on. And you just know when you know when it's a good main event, right? It's like, yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those, like, it's a bit intangible, if you will, right? There, There is a certain je ne sais quoi, if yeah. you will, yeah. Stop. 
I think one of the things is that the anticipation sometimes, the getting there, yeah. is part of what makes a good main event because that's why you want to watch yeah, it, Yeah, right? but even sometimes I think there's also the surprise factor like a Rock Hogan, which is on this list, right? Where right. nobody thought that, that was going to be like an all-time an all-time great thing because right. they were like, well, why isn't it Stone Cold, right? But then they Some got people, the Rock yeah. Hogan and yeah. they were like, wow, this is amazing. I, don't, I can't imagine it any other way. Good right? point, yep. So there's a lot of factors there, folks. I just want to be very clear here. We are not judging this strictly on what turned out to be the best wrestling match. I just want to eliminate any confusion there. Right. It's, it's not, not about five-star match. It's not. Although, that again, that's part of the criterion is yeah. how good the match was. It does, it does give you... It helps you. <laughs> Tremendously. Yeah. But it is not the only criteria. If you want to just read like the, a list of the best WrestleMania matches... Find yourself Meltzer's stuff. I think even Scott Keith has done something yeah. like that. Sort them by star rating, and then you yeah. can read it, and you can agree with that. But that's not what we're here to do. So without any further bullshit, yep. we go down to the not fans. Even do. Not just, even a do. Just, just bullshit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, why don't we go down to the fans and find out who drew number three. Speaking of number three at WrestleMania three coin, Hulk Hogan versus number Andre three, the Giant. Wow, what, what, that's so apropos, isn't would, it? Would, wouldn't you say it's a lot of Poe? Yeah, it's Poe. Poe. Now, <laughs> Poe. Hogan Andre, I think, is God one of the archetypal. Is that the right word? Not really. Main events I mean, in it, WrestleMania history. It's when they figured out this is what we should make the main event like. Right. We don't need as much of a gimmick. I mean, WrestleMania one, I get it. We don't need six thousand celebrities. Right. We don't and need all this boxing shit. matches yeah. and shit like that. Let's just put the two biggest, the biggest match. Forget biggest start. Just what is the best match we could deliver? What does everybody want to see? We need to move heaven and earth in the company. And honestly, that's kind of what they did here. If yeah. you think about it, they took. A guy who has faced his entire career, yeah. basically. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We need this to be a big deal, and we need Hulk Hogan to still be faced. So yep. just turn him fucking heel That's and brilliant. have him fight Hulk Hogan. One of the great things about the build here, which obviously a lot of people know what happened here, so I'm going to just summarize it, really. Hogan won the title in 84. Andre was right there to congratulate him and dump the, the champagne. champagne. Yeah. Nice of you! You did good! <laughs> That's nice of you. I'm really proud of you. And then Hogan had his run, and he did team with Andre occasionally throughout 85 and yeah, things like Saturday that. Yeah, Saturday main event. Absolutely. Andre in his underpants. And then by the time we get to 87, Hogan is celebrating three years, which Andre says is a long time to be champion. It is. You know, it's, it a, is. it's a long, Not really. <laughs> At uh, that point, yeah. it isn't. <laughs> no, it was normal for yeah. WWF champions. And Andre had recently been reinstated after being suspended, and there was the whole machine thing. So he's brand new, like returned, right? Right. In early but there was some chicanery with his comeback, no? Yeah, well, Bobby Heenan happened to be the only one at the uh, reinstatement hearing. First right. of all, which a lot of people assume, well, because Bobby hated the machines, right? And hated right. Andre. We thought he was there to argue. Right. He shouldn't be reinstated. But uh, when Hogan gets his trophy and Andre gets one the following week and Andre's trophy is a little smaller and that now why they're getting trophies, I don't know. But, For being good. Yeah, I know, but that's like a random thing. <laughs> but whatever. This is all on Piper's pit, right? Yeah, and Hulk Hogan does the like, you know what I don't like about what Hulk Hogan does here? It's the only part in this build where he seems kind of a dick. When which, he interrupts Andre? No, it's not even just that. It's like when he when Andre gets the trophy or whatever, right? And Hulk Hogan, it's almost like patronizing where he's like the real champion of all wrestling and whatever oh, he says. But I think he was supposed to be sincere there. No, he I was sincere. He it's that. like in intention, it, it, it's unintentional yeah. patronizing. Right. Because well, if it, he is the best, why isn't he the champion? True. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Because 87 Hogan is not really an asshole yet. No, no, no. It's just funny because it's, funny. it's almost like Hulk Hogan like insults Andre inadvertently. Right. <laughs> and then we get to the point where uh, Hogan's there and Andre comes out with Bobby Heenan, which is like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, because these guys have been, Bobby's been feuding with Andre since Bobby came to the company. Right. You know, with John Why Studd would he ever Kemper be Tara. with him? Right. And Hogan's like, what are you doing with him? You know? Yeah. And um, Andre, of course, with his famous line, Look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> Look at me when I'm talking to you. Iconic, right? It really is. I challenge you at the WrestleMania. At WrestleMania. To challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Well, friends, Andre, this can't happen. And yeah. You don't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this. Hogan rips off the shirt, scratches him, rips so the, off the, the, the crucifix. Yep. Uh, like the thing Hogan always wears is his yep. crucifix necklace. It scratches him. Right down the right chest. Down the, yeah, the sternum. Yeah, and and, the sternum. and then Roddy Piper, you're blading. That was a great ad lib because that wasn't planned for him to bleed. Yeah, you know? Piper's like, you're blading. You're, you're blading. blading, man. Get up. You're blading. You're bleeding. It's not out. Andre, come back, man. You don't have to leave like this. What is he doing? You're bleeding. What's... And then we get Hogan's formal acceptance of the challenge. And then that hack is like, yeah! Then he don't worry, he comes back later. Yeah, but. the follow year. Yeah. When I posted that on Twitter recently, people commented on that guy and how great he was for yeah. getting so into it. He was. Because Hogan's a trucker hat guy or whatever. Yeah, trucker in, hat guy. in like the ceiling, it's too. Great. He's like really far away. Yeah. Yeah. But that's indicative, Quinn, of what they had on their hands here with this as a main event. It's like, holy shit, Hogan and I are in a fight, and yes, actually they fought back in nineteen eighty, but there's this is called a new audience, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I think I think it shows you even what what's amazing about Trucker Hat Guy. Yeah. Honestly, in this, it shows He's the you best the, guy. It shows you why it, the reaction was so important because he can't even fucking see. Like you know what I mean? Like he just hears it on the loudspeaker. It's like Hulk Hogan's gonna fight on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But yeah, I know that's um, actually they had matches at Shea Stadium and, and also places. No, that's not. But like that was seven years earlier. That might, might as well, well be, be a ancient, different, yeah, ancient, different decade. I mean, different they century. acted like '83, which was only like three years ago. Right. Was like a long time. This is when WWF was cresting and maybe riding the wave in '87, mm-hmm. and they had a new audience, a more youthful audience. I'm sure some of the old timers were still there. Most but, people hadn't gone on board from until '84, '85. Let's yeah, be real, right? I mean, it was was when WWF hit NBC with Saturday Night's Main Event and hit MTV and things like that. That's when they picked up their new audience and a much more youth oriented pop culture. You know that uh, audience didn't know dick about Bruno San Martino, other than really. he was on commentary <laughs> and shit like and like Bob Backlund and stuff. Was <laughs> that a movie star? Yeah. And uh, Hogan and Andre's set, and that's all the build really needed to be. They had interviews. They have a great series of promos with Hogan and Andre leading up, and then we get to WrestleMania three, where the excitement in the air, Quinn, at the Silver Dome is palpable. I mean, it, what a fucking WrestleMania. Yeah, even when all the celebrities are coming out, everyone's like, oh man, I can't wait. You know, like... The buzz. Yeah, the buzz. The buzz. Gorilla, Jesse, everyone does their job. Vince, from the very beginning with Vince. Yeah. Introducing Aretha Franklin. Bobby, the whole show, like anytime he appears, he's like in a very good mood. Oh God, like, right? He thinks he's going to win. And everything is building towards us, right? And obviously along the way, we get the great Savage Steamboat match, which just adds to the overall appeal of this yeah, event. Yeah, because right? the one thing that's funny about that match to me is after you see that, it's like, man, if that was that good, yeah. how good is this Hogan-Andre <laughs> shit going to be, right? right? Like, holy moly, this is the best show ever. <laughs> and Hogan's pre-match promo, by the way, is one of the best he's 
ever done. I love it. The whole like I went out into the mountains oh and I like God. thought about this shit and like I realized how big it was and blah blah blah. It's very good. It is literally one of Hulk Hogan's maybe his best promo ever. Yeah. So we get there and Bob Uecker is our ring announcer and the garbage thrown at Andre and Bobby when they come down on the cart. Oh, the fans are so mad. How dare he right. like betray them to and, fight Hulk Hogan? And we always talk about how we love how Andre's like waving. As oh, if, yeah. Like- <laughs> no, my favorite part is Andre is still like converting into full heel, so he thinks he's still like popular. <laughs> and not that long. So why do they not like me or whatever? And, but he's still like acting like he's trying to persuade them or something. It's really hey, weird. Hey. Yeah. And then Hogan's entrance without the cart, just coming down the aisle by himself with Bob Uecker, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And- Hulk Hogan. The room for the Superdome about to explode here. Holy shit, what an entrance for Hogan. It, he comes out and, and the crowd Hogan. explodes. And the buzz as they stare down, which led to Gorilla Monsoon's best like iteration of the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. On top of it, there's also like from people who were around then because we weren't. But the idea that the general populace thought this is the end for Hulk. There's no Could've way there, there, yeah. there's no way he can beat Andre the Giant, right? It's like. As much as we love Hulk Hogan, he's going to get a good effort, but he can't. He can't, he can't beat he Andre. Can't be Andre. Andre the Giant hasn't lost in 15 years. Like, right. how the hell is he going to lose here? Well, actually, yeah, but, but that's the, not the point. <laughs> that, that's not what they told you. I know, so, exactly. So, and the majority of people weren't reading the dirt sheets in 1987. <laughs> right. So they're like, oh, well, they said he hasn't been to. De- Right, defeated and you know they're they're like Bob Costas and stuff on commentary (laughs) right just like these people report on wrestling all day they know yeah Uh, (laughs) Gorilla as a reporter (laughs) you just imagine (laughs) they are the Bruins defeated the Islanders so Gorilla and Jesse do a tremendous job calling the match right which as a wrestling match look it's not a, a technical masterpiece it's not really meant to be though it's barely wrestling but in its purest form, I, I would argue, what I appreciate wrestling, appreciate about wrestling, Quinn, is showmanship, mm-hmm. investment in what's going to happen, the moment, the way the story is presented. And I think it checks all those boxes. Yep. And on top of it, you have the, the, the kind of behind-the-scenes feats of the fact that Andre was, like, really hurt, and Hulk Hogan was, like, confused if, like, Andre would, like, <laughs> lose to him. What a tall tale that he keeps spreading, you know what I mean? Yeah, but isn't there, like, some truth no! to that? Because some other, it wasn't even just Vince Andre that said, yeah, it was, like, Vince or Vince, something, right? it's not true, you know, yeah. he was just fu- Vince, Vin- Vince added to the fuckery there, because yeah. he, he thought it would be funny or I something. I think they were just fucking with Hogan, you know right. what I mean? Like, Vince and Andre were, like, in on it or something. Also, don't forget, Hogan's feet of strength. I mean, Andre was 1,100 pounds. Yeah. Hogan tore every muscle in his back. And I mean, just the fact that Andre died like five minutes after the match right. or whatever. <laughs> so, shortly after. So obviously this is a big deal. And we know Hogan wins. And it's a great call by Jesse and Gorilla. And it's a huge moment. And I think that really did do a lot to cement Hogan as the guy. He was clearly already the guy. Look, he was already champion three years. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? But it just added, it was a cherry on top, perhaps. The point being that Hogan versus Andre kind of defined what a mega WrestleMania event could really look like. And it really defined Hulk Hogan's character 
which sadly went downhill, you know, as a, in terms of the kayfabe right. character for the rest is, of the decade. Like you said, it's the template. It's what to this day they aspire to meet. Right? It's like this this larger than life match that yeah. you can, you would never see ever before this. Obviously, they've surpassed it in execution one million times over. But in terms of everything up to before the bell ringing, yeah. yes, that's still what they go for. I think right. that's what I think a WrestleMania should be. Yeah. And I think this is the reason why people think that. It, it's, yeah, it's the reason people think that and also the reason why the company to this day, basically they look across their roster. You can tell what they do now. They look across their roster and they say, what is our Hogan Andre? What is our, what are, what are our two top wrestlers on the roster? Sure. And let's have them fight each other. They followed that uh, example for many, many years. Uh, sometimes maybe lost sight of it, which I'm sure some of those will wind up on the flush list. Right. You know, but when they do it right, yeah, it usually is the, the most anticipated match. When the bell rings, it's a different story. Sometimes the match is good. Sometimes it's not. This is not regarded if you use like all your technical criteria and Excel formulas. It's not a good wrestling match. No, it's, like, it's like minus five stars or something. Minus four. All right, he was a little lenient on it, but that's not the point of so stupid. That's not the point of it, right? It's getting to it, and it's what it did as a main event. You know what I mean? And and what it meant at the time. I think it's tremendous, right? We're gonna have to see where it ranks. Do you have anything else? Or are we moving? I, I on? got nothing. All right, I think we set it. Let's find out now, folks. Who drew number four? Oh, good. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 12. Here we go. So. What? What? I mean, it's not that bad. It's, I don't like it for obvious reasons, but I will yeah. do my damnedest to be as fair and objective as possible here. Sure. It sucked because Shawn won. Okay, that's out of the way. Okay. They get that's that, out of the that, way. None of that counts. Though. I didn't like it. Yeah. Bret but, Hart and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. What? What is the build to this, first of all? It's actually not bad because yeah. Bret and Shawn had had a history dating back to the Rockers. And the Hart Foundation, when they wrestled each other as tag teams and even as single, 89 and 90 and things like that, right? By the time we hit 1992, Brett and Sean actually had an IC title feud when Brett was the champion. Brett then wins the world title. Shortly thereafter, Sean wins the IC title. Correct. They have a very good match at Survivor Series 92. Right, which which shows the potential, right? Right. Technical, you know, it's really good. That type of thing, right? Sean had news for him, God's Green Earth, all those things. All the things. They're both developing into better versions of themselves in years to come. Yeah, both of them both are. Both of them. By the time we get to this show, they fully developed Correct. into the, probably their better versions. Although I, I think Sean, even his older version, was better than this. Arguably so, right? Yeah. But I will say this. 1996 Shawn Michaels, one of the best wrestlers of all good time. Wrestler, I'm not yeah. going to lie. I mean, no. he is. He's really good. That wasn't a question here. Right. No, it wasn't. And Brett, obviously, had established himself right. as like the good match guy. Right. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. But real, a different style than Sean. So they had an on-again, on off-again feud that would pick up when convenient. Like, Sean was inserted into the Survivor Series 93 thing because King, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Got into a little It would cross paths every now and then. Every now but, and then. But there wasn't a formal, like, big match buildup. No. It was never. always, like, something impromptu. Even the Survivor Series 92 one, well, like, yes, it was, like, a promised match that Brett... I don't know even remember the full details other than, like, that it just happened to fight each other because remember Sean wasn't even the IC champ right. when the match was made. Brett wasn't the world champ. It was right. just going to be they were going to fight each other because they needed to wrestle somebody. Yeah. That's real. No, but nothing formal, right? They occasionally cross paths and then Sean turns face in 95 and we get to the tail end of 95 where Brett has regained the world title from the Diesel at the Survivor Series 95. Right. Sean had a um, 
an incident in Syracuse. Don't <laughs> and um, nothing to do with this. <laughs> grew the grew the lying beard like he usually does. Don't worry, and- <laughs> that was gone by the time we got to this. Just don't mention it. And a great great buildup. I'm not gonna lie. He's gonna be the Royal Rumble in Fresno, as yep. we always know. And he won the Royal Rumble in Fresno. Brett jogged casually in snow. You know, they made me look like a fucking moron. My dad beating me up. Who's <laughs> beating him up? Sean's doing backwards fucking like pull-ups, pull-ups, or, pull-ups something. or something. John, do that, John. Yeah, doing like fucking like he's doing like Booker T like kicks or whatever, like uh, in it's like really a good. ring against a pad or something. It's really good. In moves he never does. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, wait, I, when I was a kid, I literally was like, when's Sean going to do that move? Like, <laughs> that looked cool. And uh, Girl Monsoon got injured by Vader, so interim president in Monsoon's stead was making yet another return was Rowdy Roddy Piper. This right. time he wasn't sticking a mic in Brett's face and saying, what do you say? Yeah. So I guess that's better. Um, but he was the president. I don't think that's the best situation for Brett, considering their history. Yeah, right? I know, right? <laughs> Sean doesn't really have much history with Roddy not, Piper. Not so too much. He doesn't have anything to lose. But Brett and <laughs> Piper didn't like each other from the WrestleMania 8 thing. Right. Well, they, you know, Bloney and all that. Yeah. And Piper is the one that decides, let's make this match, because Sean's the number one contender. Brett's the world champion. Let's make it an Iron Man match. Right. Now, the WWF had done them only on house shows, never televised. Brett and Owen had had uh, Iron Man matches. Brett and Ric Flair yeah. in 93 had Iron Man matches. And I feel like what's interesting about an Iron Man match is they're still so rare. So you might, it might be beneficial for people maybe, I know this is a retro podcast, for people who don't know what is an Iron Man match. Right. It is a match with a fixed time limit. Right. Usually 30 or 60. And what happens, Quinn, as you well know, is the winner at the end of the time limit is the guy with the most falls and which could include a count out or a DQ right. or a submission but the most falls so it's like a point system basically right Sean wins three pins to two or something like that right exactly and that's how you judge it at the end WCW had done a couple on pay-per-view Beach Blast 92 and 93 I think yeah it was a concept that was tried a lot but you really need a lot of time on your show to do it so yep. it's not common even to this day correct and in this case it was going to be a one hour and you know what I, I don't entirely disagree with the fact that they did a one-hour match because WrestleMania 12, they didn't Look have their roster. They didn't have a lot going for them. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a, a very convenient, you know what? Just let the two best guys eat up like a third of the show. You like, kind of had to. Right, yeah. They wanted to run Yoko versus Vader as a single, but they realized holy shit, Yoko is out of shape. Right. So they made it a six-man with Jake and Ahmed and all that stuff. They wanted to run Razor versus Goldust, but they uh, realized Razor gave his notice. They suspended him drug, whatever the deal was. So they draft in Piper into that. Eh, um, Bronco and all that. Right. right. He gives up his presence. I always like that it conveniently lines up. Yep, and then Gorilla's this. back that yeah, night. It's like, and now president again, <laughs> yeah. Gorilla Monsoon. I am here. The only other big match that they had, and it was a great one, fun time, was Diesel versus The Undertaker. Right, that really was really fun. all they had, That though. was it! <laughs> Honestly. There was nothing going. So I get why they had to kind of do this. So the stage is set, and they portray it as Bret Hart, the grizzled veteran, three-time cha- He's cagey by now, right? Yeah, cagey. By 96. Getting a little older. I mean, his dad can beat him up now, so that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, if I could dish it, yeah. If I can dish it out, I got to be able to take it. So. Even you love that how stupid oh, that is. Because Brett is kind of right. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, they're showing Stu's like putting a headlock, like <laughs> fucking pulling his nose out or something. Like, I don't know. It's Family like. Discipline. Although you could say, well, Stu, like Brett is building up like uh, resistance and endurance. You know what <laughs> I mean? By letting a 80 year old shut up, beat him up. Okay. How is that helping either? Okay, you're right. Okay, it's bad. It's yeah. really poor. And Sean. 
It's still kind of young here. I mean, he's 30 years old going yeah. to the match, so they are able to. There's an eight-year difference. I will say, at least they matched the stewness with another old man in True. Jose Lothar. Like, right. I think that's really what they were going for, was yeah, so that was. they could both have, like, this old guy that trains them, like, Mick or something One, from Rocky. 1,000%. Yeah. It was our introduction to Jose Lothario. Mm-hmm. He would sadly be there the rest of the year and, like, <laughs> ruin Sean's title reign. <laughs> it didn't need to. That'd be like if Stu was, like, say, <laughs> say Brett won the match, and then Stu's like, I'm in your corner because I help you win yeah. like or whatever like the whole year <laughs> imagine that horrible like <laughs> horrible like you have to admit if it was in reverse it would have been just as bad you're right yeah. you're right no it would have been even worse probably uh so we finally get there and there is a lot of anticipation and wwf did a good job building toward it because you have two guys that have not wrestled each other on pay-per-view since 1993 and even that was only a uh, tag match eight man tag and had not really had a singles match in a long long time and here we go. I mean, they're very similar in size. They've both been there a long time. One guy is uh, a bit older, a little bit more experienced. And that, right. and one guy is has a more high-flying style, a little more modern style. High-flying in the technical. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a mashup of the two. And we get there, and Brett has his, um, his standard entrance. But before that, Sexy Boy hits, and Jose Lothario walks out by himself. Right. Remember? And then he climbs up to the turnbuckles and does the double point. He does the point, and Sean comes on a zip line. Yeah. Now, you know what? I actually don't have a problem with this. Of course you don't. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? What? Is it also, like, it does weirdly serve a storyline purpose, because the idea is, like, look how different of a person Sean Michaels says Brett is traditional Sean is unconventional and usually they wouldn't have a way to convey that in the entrance and they're both the same size and so, shit so you need a way and right you, and you need a way and plus it's like Wrestlemania so you, on top of it you need to like in Anaheim you have to like heighten the like entrance right I don't disagree so Sean just says oh look at how like hip and shit he is he he's he's on a zip line and mm-hmm. blah 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 so like that's like what they're going for with it right oh quinn no i, I that, get was, it. that wasn't chosen just to be dicky or anything that no. was chosen to make to define like look at the difference between these two wrestlers and it is a spectacular entrance i'm not gonna yeah. lie it's a very good entrance they, and they would never memorable. ever do that again obviously no. for other reasons yeah we're not yeah. getting into that right yeah. now uh and they even mic up earl hebner for the instructions which i thought was very cool Love because it. it makes it like a boxing match or Gor- something yeah gorillas in the ring during yeah. the instructions mm-hmm. Gentlemen, this match is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. This is an Iron Man match. They really hyped up how important this was. Yeah, and I know there's detractors of Jerry Lawler as a commentator, and believe you me, especially this day and age, but he's very good with Vince on this Mm. because he there's nothing to really make fun of. No. He's serious. He's, he's got to do- tone down the Bret Hart jokes, first of all. He does. Yeah, he's yeah. very neutral, and it's actually, they, they call a good match, as good as you're going to get with Vincent King uh, in our technical wrestling match. I would suggest that what we have seen thus far is a, pretty much a, a defensive uh, strategy on the part of Bret Hart. Sure, that shows you just how important this first decision is. And it's a one-hour match, obviously, and Brett had outlined in his book how they did, like, chunks of it, like, 20-minute chunks, and Sean designed some of it, and Brett designed some of it. So it's a collaboration. Collaboration. Brett gives Sean, and his book was written way before they reconciled, Brett gave Sean so much credit for being able to remember and time all the spots perfectly. Yeah. They were both at a point in their career where they were just such professionals, yes. right? Like, so that even if there was animosity, which there, which wasn't, there wasn't, but even if there was, it's like both of them knew what to do and blah, blah, blah. And when so, to do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, 
If you like a good wrestling display, and I do, I really do, for all my bluster, this it's a great wrestling display. Yeah. It is. It really, really, really is. It shows every tool that's in the toolbox for both wrestlers. Yeah, some really good spots in there, and, yeah. and a lot of action. I like it a lot. Brett leans subtle heel as he usually does when he's wrestling a face. He always kind of leans heelish. Yeah. Which helps because Sean's the one that's going to win. He's got the kind of character where he can do that and it won't like cost him. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, because it, because it is a little infuriating just from a outsider's perspective, like this guy who thinks he's like better than everyone. I know. Yeah. It's perfect though, right. because when he's not supposed to play heel, he plays a great face. Exactly. So he just does it well. Obviously we know what happens here. The final 10 seconds of the match. Sean leaps off in a double drop kick attempt, which is a callback to the Survivor Series 92 finish, by the way. Brett catches him in the sharpshooter, clamps it on. The crowd is losing their minds. No, not yet, The The time counts down, and it expires. No falls. It expires, right? And so I think this serves two purposes. On one hand, one person could say, well, Brett had Sean finished. But on the other hand... The Shawn Michaels crowd can say, look at that. He survived the shark. He didn't quit. Right. You know what I mean? So like he didn't really get beat. Correct. So now you have this situation where the match is over and 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 Brent's ready to leave. He's like, okay, it's over. Right. Both sides can argue that, (laughs) you know, their man did really good. Right. And Brett's like, okay, bye. I'm leaving now. You know, I didn't lose. So I'm still the champion. Okay. You know, we never discussed this, but it's sort of in a weird way. Right. Is it sort of healy from a Brett perspective because you're taking that champion's advantage thing that is usually in the story portrayed as like, oh, that's the cheap way out. Right. Like, you know, it's it's, it's it's equal to a count out or whatever. Them's the rules, Queen. Right, I get it. It's the rules. It lasted an hour. I, I get it. I'm just saying from a story perspective, that's like what, in a weird way, what they're doing here, right? I, I guess so, but I mean, what's he going to do? Go back for more? He, he did right. what they said. No, you're, you're <laughs> you know? right. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you could look at it both you ways. That, that's all I'm saying. So at the time there, the 10-year-old Joe Morata was very happy. Brett survived. He made it. A sigh of relief. He he took oh, yeah. the challenge on of probably the best challenger he Absolutely. could have fought. Right? And then Gorilla Monsoon, fucking <laughs> asshole. He's like, oh, no, it's got to continue. Sudden death. Right. And Brett's like, why? So he gets in. He's pissy. So he's not focused. Right. Sean's able to hit a stupid super kick. And then he wins a stupid title. And then as your champion, Shawn Michaels. Quinn, your, your side of the story. My side of the story is um, Brett went down to the super kick, which, you know, didn't expect that, <laughs> right? Yeah, you missed her on the best. At the time, what was your reaction at the time? Oh, I was overjoyed because finally, like, honestly, as a fan, and I'd only been a fan for like over a year, maybe a year and a half for the whole year. It's like I knew Shawn Michaels was the best, right? It was like validation as a, as a kid fan yeah. to know, like, he did it. He he proved that he could beat the champion, right? Mm-hmm. That's all that's all mattered in my head. He he proved he could beat the champion. Lucky. Lucky. Break. But he beat him. Lucky and that break. was the point. He beat him. Yeah. He did. People have complained about this match. I understand the complaints. One is that uh there were no falls until the end. Right. I Which I still I, I still just from a stepping back for a second, I feel like that's a weird choice because... It is a weird choice. It's a weird choice because here you have this match where both guys can beat each other but not beat each other. And right. you, ha- you have that out and it's very interesting and it makes the match unique. They went for, yeah, they went for a different story than they could have told, mm-hmm. which is that both guys were able to sneak a fall or two over each other and they could have ended it tied and then had that, but what are you going to do? 
So I've heard that. I've heard from you and probably others that there isn't a lot of rewatchability on this one. That's my biggest mark against the match. Because it's so long, it's part of, it's two things. It's so long and it's very like distinct what happens at the end to the point of like, why would I ever watch this again? Right. So it's like, it's got those two things going against it because if you want to watch it again, you have to devote a whole hour. (laughs) That is true. Like you have to devote a whole hour and because of pacing in a long match, there's a lot of lulls because you have an hour. You have to pace it. You have to pace it. So it's not fun to rewatch again if you know the ending. It is not fun. No, Uh, I will say this. It is fundamental. It is a very fundamentally good wrestling match, but you're right. It's not a fun. I will say this as, as a match. If you have never watched this match, you probably should watch it. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You you probably should watch it. It's a great display. When you look at it kind of withdrawn and as more of like a wrestling observer, but really, it's a great display of two of the best wrestlers. In their prime. In their prime, and definitely the two best in the company at the time. Right. Putting on our fucking one-hour match, which is not easy. If that's what you're looking for, too. There's there's that factor. It's like, if you want to see... Maybe you weren't around when Sean and Brett were in their heyday or even wrestling at right. this point, right? right? Some people weren't. If you want to see why people believed at the time those two were the best wrestlers, this is the match for you. Absolutely. And it does tell a story. I, I just don't happen to like the story that much, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. But it does tell one. And I think it's good. At the time, though, I'm not going to lie, Quinn. I knew Sean was winning, even as a 10-year-old. I just knew. I wasn't sure I knew as it. a Shawn Michaels fan I because I was like, Every time in the history of watching Shawn Michaels and all the matches I've seen on on um, Film. tape, he never can win the big one. He no. never wins the world. He can beat everybody at Intercontinental Tag Team. He can do it all. But he couldn't he, beat the Diesel he never, 11. He never, yeah, exactly. So right. there was this built-in like... Doubt? Doubt. And also just like, I, I was like, I really want it to happen, but I don't know because Bret Hart's still around. And he doesn't lose often. He doesn't lose often. <laughs> right? It was just Bret Hart seemed like... Bret Hart is the world champion and Shawn Michaels is the Intercontinental Champion. Like That seemed like how it was supposed to be, not that's, the other way around. That's how it had been, so there was some doubt for you at the time. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. That's good. I think I've said all I need to say. I think it's a very good match. Mm-hmm. We'll see where it ranks. Yeah. All right. But first we start with uh, Hogan Andre. So again, folks, just a quick rundown of the very short list right now. Rock Hogan, number one. Rock Hudson. And Undertaker Shawn, number two. Michael, yeah. Hogan Andre. Right. Is the worst wrestling match out of these three. But it's the best WrestleMania match. It's the best WrestleMania main event out of these three, right? 100%. I mean, there's really no, like, argue. It's really hard because, especially the two ones we have on here are stuff that, in a weird way, like, try to be this. Especially Rock Hogan. Rock Hogan. not really. But they don't exceed it. Now, that's not to say I feel like there's matches that did exceed this. No, I know. The reason, I think we just have to be fair here. Once again, this is not about match quality specifically. It does help. Hogan Andre, though, is one of those few matches that is an absolute classic despite the wrestling ability. And it it will always, for me, get a pass because of that. It it is very unique in that regard. Yeah. It's one of the only matches in history that really does not get judged on its match quality. I've never, if you really think about it. And it shouldn't. Throughout the whole history of wrestling, there's not a lot of matches that can just be like, well, fuck the match quality. Right. 
don't, I don't even have aren't. to. I don't even have to think about the match quality. Hogan Sheik is one of them because Hogan wins. I think that's a big one. It's like a five minute match, but Hogan became the world champion. Yeah, but it has meaning. Yeah, that's right, what I mean. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And this is this is the mother of all meaning here in terms yeah. of WrestleMania. This is what they kept going for, like you said. There probably wouldn't be WrestleMania if they didn't figure it out by three. Well, you see what happened with four and five. Yeah. When they didn't have it in a big arena. I mean, four, how do you fucking promote a tournament? You know, yeah, it's that, harder. That was stupid. I mean, Hogan Andre, I guess, was like their caveat there. Is like, like look, they, they were resting on their laurels, right? Like they were yeah. like, at four, it always felt like what they were really trying to do was like, well, we want to give them more Hogan Andre. But that was we need thing. to devise a way to do that. That was kind of the hook was like, at least if we promote Hogan Andre, yeah. people will watch it. Because we're not, we don't really have the wrestlers, the matchup to match that. Because it's a tournament anyway, right? right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you promote the finals? You really can't. But we had this Randy Savage guy that, right. you know, we want to build up. And Ted DiBiase. But we need a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. To get there. So really what four is is that it's them like it's build towards we can't, five we can't do the same match the next year but we also need to build so that we can do a comparable match the next year right no, <laughs> i agree i agree yeah and i think that if you look at five with hogan savage that's a callback to like the hogan andre style or hogan warrior right. hogan slaughter is a, a totally different thing and i think a lot of the pe- reason people think that it should have been hogan flair at eight is because wrestlemania had a precedent of having the biggest match on paper but it's all because of this I think it might be too obvious that this is going to go above, you know, and be at number one right now. Right. And I don't, I'm not saying that it can lose that spot. It, it very well may be able to. It depends on what else, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think when, because of its meaning, it's the biggest main event, because of its importance, because of the build, because of the crowd, because I don't of think the there would be a WWF still. I think that's it. And when, when uh, yeah, I know. Honestly, because at that up to that point, it was still in like fad mode. It was at a little the, fad when this happened. It was like, no, this is something I'm always going to keep an eye on for the rest of my life. Is like just to make sure what's going on. Yeah, no, I agree. And do you think this is rewatchable? Yeah, yeah, it's very rewatchable. It, it's just one of those iconic moments. I don't think it's overrated because no one says it's a good match. It's rewatchable <laughs> for just like even the stare down at the very beginning alone. Like just That's what that, I mean. The stare down with the like insane massive crowd behind it. And I think the getting there is part of what makes it a good main event. Right. You got to remember main event, not just match WrestleMania main event on paper. What do you want to go see? This is the definition of that. This is like this is literally like the match that's designed to put people in seats and it literally has the proof like surrounding it as it occurs. 403,000 people are here. No, you said it, Quinn. You absolutely yeah. said it. You're correct. It's a great point, and I think we should lock in at number one. Are we going to agree there? Sure. Okay. Brett, Sean, I'm going to tell you the truth. I think that's going on the bottom for now. I do, too. Sorry. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad, either, because no! because I have Sean already at number three. And I don't. <laughs> and listen, you know. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm, like, I, I, as a Sean fan, I can't feel upset about that. And, you know, I'm as big a Bret Hart fan as there is. I can't put it above Undertaker Shawn Michaels. And it's still a weird case because it's not a, it's not a, it didn't deliver kind of situation or anything like that. It just, it really, honestly, the most it comes down to is like retrospectively, it doesn't really, it's just like a retrospective thing. It's like once you saw, when it was building up, I felt like it was so important, right? So did I. It felt so big at the time. Like, it felt like the biggest match I'd ever seen or something, right? Because it, there was so much anticipation 
to really see Bret Harbor Shawn Michaels fight for real and not right. like, you know, at, at like the biggest show of the year and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't like after it was over that there was disappointment. In fact, we, in the last segment, we talked about the fallout is just as important as the match. Sure. This, Good point. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not any of that. It's just that it's a tiny piece of a greater thing in the long run. It's fair. You know and, what I mean? And, and honestly, Quinn, if you stack up the anticipation here against these other three, I was really looking forward to Undertaker Shawn Michaels at Wrestle 25. Yeah, I was. But I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I would definitely say I was looking forward to Brett versus Sean at 12 more well, than because you like Sean Undertaker, Mister Sean over here. As a, if you were a Shawn Michaels fan, sorry, to this hear was that. a milestone moment. It was in your no, fandom, it, it right? Was. Like I can't that, lie. that, yeah, that, that is not to be debated. Absolutely not. It's his first title. Absolutely. If, if you follow the career of Shawn Michaels, right? Which don't, but if you do, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's great. I, I'm sorry. I'll drop the gimmick. It was, yeah. a, it's, it's a big deal. If you're a Shawn Michaels, fan. it establishes the Shawn Michaels character as a top person in the company forever because he had the WF belt. Yeah. You know what I think makes undertaker Shawn from wrestle 25 more appealing to me is uh, it's more conclusive as far as what happened. I know they had a rematch, but it's a gr- it's a great fucking match, Undertaker Shawn Michaels. It's a uh, better match than Brett versus Shawn. Even. It is, and yeah. it's shorter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also, the build was really good because the streak is kind of on the line here, right, yeah. by default. And Shawn, if there was one guy that could maybe fucking beat him, maybe it's Shawn Michaels. Up to that point in time, right. because with the added history afterwards, too. And Shawn had just retired Ric Flair the year before. Yeah. So he had a precedent for still he winning some things. Yeah. yeah. Can, right. I think Bright Sean is a very good wrestling match. But when you look at the build for Undertaker Sean, it's excellent in the anticipation. Rock Hogan, I mean, they could have done nothing <laughs> to build that match. Yeah. It's Rock Hogan and Hogan Andre, obviously. Okay. I think this is very easy. Yeah. And we just, that's it. One, you, two, three, four. We got four of them. I think so. You were saying two weeks ago you wanted some newer stuff to get its due. And I promise you there would be due. Well, Undertaker, Sean, there you go. It's due. It's above. Yeah. No, and it's I, above an old thing. I really think it should be. I, what bugs me about Brett, Sean, is not really Brett losing, although I hate that. It's not that. It's that it's just not as, I don't know, something's missing from it. It just isn't as appealing to me yeah. as these other three. At the end of the day, <laughs> you know? at the end of the day, it's a match that the anticipation was a bigger deal, but the and the fallout was a bigger deal, but the match itself doesn't. Not that it doesn't hold up. It just it's a great wrestling match. It just, I just doesn't. Can't put my finger on it. Yeah, it just doesn't. <laughs> it's just it, not as. If you were, if you're ranking it, it doesn't rank high. That's as, all. as a main event. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's obviously a better wrestling match than Rock Hogan in terms of work rate and Hogan and, Andre. In fact, Come on. If you, for some reason, if we were ranking all the WrestleMania main events, like if we had a list of thirty-five of them or whatever, yeah, it is and all now, the extras, yeah, sure. yeah, and all the extras, like mid tier, it would. This would be. Probably right in the middle. Yeah, probably in my opinion. I agree. But it is what it is right now. We're going to lock it in at number four, and we'll call it a week. Obviously, next week will be the flush. But, Quinn, let's run it down here. At number one, Hogan, Andre, WrestleMania 3. Number two is The Rock Hogan, WrestleMania 18. Number three, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25. Wrestle 25, excuse me. That's important. And number four is Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 12, folks. That's the updated rankings. Feel free to let us know yours, and if you disagree, we always like to know. Let us know why. You can do that, of course, on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email and join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, it is time for a trip down to Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, boy. This will be a lot of fun. Let's take a taxi down there, if you will. Uh, Memphis Wrestling is coming up right after this. Yes! 
yesterday when I finished hanging and banging, when I jumped on the Harley man, as I went through the intersection, as I headed for the mountains, some of the non-believers in the gym said, see you later, Hulkster man. This is your last ride. It ate me alive, brothers. When I felt the fury, as I ripped, as I tore the shirt, as I headed for the sunset, man, I looked down, brothers, and as the sun beamed off the gold in my eyes, I realized that sooner or later, you got to live and die and you got to face the truth. And for you, Andre the Giant, it's time to face the truth, brother. Because when I think about what you and I have to do, man, what I have to do is nothing. All I have to do is merely beat a seven foot four, 550 pound giant. But Andre, you gotta face the truth, brother. In its purest form, man, the purest truth there is, man, the trading, the saying, the prayers, the eating, the vitamins. And to beat me, man, you gotta beat every Hulk maniac, every little Hulkster in the world, everyone that plays it straight, all the ones that don't take any shortcuts, brother. And they usually say, if the dirty air don't get you, the politicians will. But in this case, it's going to be Hulkamania. And the reason it's going to get you, man, it's the purest form of the truth there is. And I can't wait to see you go down at the feet of Hulkamania in front of 90,000 plus in the Silver Dome. What you going to do, Andre the Giant, when the real truth, the 24-inch pythons and Hulkamania runs wild on you? Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about Booking the Territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 213. Quinn, we're going down to Memphis. It's been a while. We're going down to Memphis. Gotta tell you, Quinn, I've enjoyed our trips down to Memphis lately. It's, Anytime we do it. It's honestly the most consistent promotion, <laughs> it's so weirdly. Great. It's like never bad. It's so and part of that is, is Lance Russell and Dave Brown. Oh yeah, they're great. And folks, we do Memphis occasionally. We used to be in our salad days a lot harsher on the Southern wrestling, but man, now that we've matured, yeah. We're very mature. I feel like Memphis is like even back then, I always felt Memphis was like good Southern wrestling. We knew that. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I, I always made fun of it. Are you kidding me? Oh, really? I think a lot of it has to do with Jeff Jarrett being there in the later part yeah, of it. Yeah, but I thought <laughs> it was, but you you always seem to understand like Lance Russell's good, King oh, is yeah, good. I, I, I know that. Yeah. yeah, King is good, Lance Russell's good. Uh, the matches are always short. They, these are my favorite. Yeah. Like, they do not, like, waste your time nope. on this show. Because they're trying to get you to go to the Mid-South Coliseum and pay no. money. They're trying to talk more. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're they're trying to, like, okay, we got to get to the talk. We got to get to the talking We got to get to promote what we're doing. And that's our kind of promotion, Quinn. Yeah. So, this is Memphis, obviously, the Jerry Jarrett territory. Before that, it was Nick Goulas. Uh, Jerry Lawler was heavily involved in it. I thought Eddie Marlin is, like, 
the king of this the, company. The promoter, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Memphis, uh, I believe it was known as the CWA at this time, the Continental Wrestling Association. I can't remember off the it top of my head. It doesn't matter because doesn't even matter. They, they refer to themselves as wrestling. Yeah, championship wrestling, yeah. right? It's just very generic. It doesn't even say championship. Not on, on the just, logo. This is, this is just wrestling in Memphis. <laughs> like, this is what it, this, we own wrestling. We just own the wrestling. Yeah. And we love it, folks. It is always a fun time to go down to Memphis. So, without any further ado, it is Memphis Wrestling. This is April 30th, 1983, Canon. <laughs> and I know why I picked this, Joe, yeah. but I really don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah, let me just get it out of the way. This was obtusely Quinn's idea, not the specific episode, but he no. wanted to pick Memphis from this time, and you're going to find out why. It's Memphis, though, so more than likely be good. Always good. It's never bad. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> we get the usual, you know, the spinning statue intro with mm-hmm. Ric Flair's music. The one from Detroit and all that. Yep. that same damn statue. Same statue. And I have to say, one statue man looks like he's about to spank the other yeah. from a certain angle. The way he's got I feel like his I've arm seen raised. this statue more than I care to say. Yeah, I don't need to see the statue. Uh, and we are greeted, of course, Quinn, by Lance Russell and Dave Brown. From the Red Curtain Zone. Yep. <laughs> and Lance immediately... Yellow, everybody. Yellow, and everybody. Lance Russell and Dave Brown. We're sitting right along ringside, just waiting for it to fill up and get action going here. <laughs> Feels like home. These two are amazing. They, they are rule. So they rule, man. Good. Yeah. So they happily discuss tonight's action, and in addition to all of that, Lance Russell promises an update on the Andy Kaufman <gasps> Jerry Lawler feud, and that's why we're here, folks. Kaufman Lawler Quinn. Memphis <laughs> not struck. talked about enough on this show. No, yeah. I can't believe we've never talked we've about never it. We've never addressed it. This is why we're doing this, can folks. I, can I give a little backstory on how I'm even aware of this feud? Yeah, of course. On Comedy Central in the 90s, there used to be a <laughs> documentary that. that played like a lot right. like regarding this, just the wrestling feud. Not This was, I saw this before the Andy Kaufman movie even came Man out. It was, like, it was like the mid, I want to say like 1995 or something like that. Yeah, they used I think to, it was. Or 96 or something 95. like that. Comedy Central used to, on repeat, play this fucking weird Andy Kaufman like documentary. It was like only an hour. And I think it was like a tongue-in-cheek documentary on top of it. Right. Where it was explaining how Andy Kaufman went mad and thought he was a wrestler. Right, yeah. It's like, it's acting like Andy Kaufman lost his mind and how it's like a big tragedy. <laughs> like, that's how it's presented. Right. And it shows like, Watch the spiral into madness as Andy Kaufman like <laughs> believes that he's a professional wrestler and this is it's like a cautionary tale, like this is what happens and it shows like him getting injured. So th- like it's presented very tongue in cheek, but I thought as a kid that it was like being legitimate. Oh really? That's when funny. I would think back to it, I'd be like, That was had to be them. Like that was literal comedy. Oh yeah. Like, of the, course. The, the documentary itself was a mockumentary. Everything he did was designed to entertain people and throw them off guard. Uh, I first heard about it from the Aftermags. Really? That's yeah. Don't call them oh, the Aftermags. Sorry, Bill. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's I didn't I realize that's where you came, that came from. That's where I, I came the from. Documentary it. The documentary or the mockumentary was yeah. my. <laughs> mockumentary is probably more intro like a to it, yeah. And uh, Andy Kaufman, for those of you that might not be aware, I don't even know if I'd call him a stand up comedian more as I'd call him like a performance artist. I'm saying an auteur. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Grounded in comedy, obviously. He had Foreign Man was one of his gimmicks and the Elvis impersonations. He yeah. played Latka on Taxi, yeah. popular sitcom. But Andy Kaufman Wrestler was a, a phase, a, a, like a gimmick in his during his long career yep. of like, Andy Kaufman would devote time to different things that he was essentially like trying out. Yeah, the like, Tony Clifton phase, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like he would devote time and it's almost like a year or two of this wrestling. Yeah, he phase, did it for a right? while. This, this, this shtick that he yep. would, essentially took around the country. 
Yes. I'm a wrestler. I'm, you know me from I'm the taxi, intergender, intergender and, I, wrestler. and I've decided now that I'm going to be a professional wrestler. But only against women. That's only how against it started. Women, yeah. And we'll get more into him, but man, is this a, a fun thing to cover? I really can't believe we've never done this before. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why we're doing it. Anyway, Quinn, we're sent to commercial with like fantastic bumper music. Very 70s. And now I think we've heard this, that do, 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 yep. do. It's so good. Uh, we come back where superstar Bill Dundee, a mainstay down there in Memphis, he walks to the ring. Dave Brown, who doubles as the ring announcer, introduces King Cobra first. Now, I was hoping that the Cobra would have like a mask or something, but he's just some guy. Just a guy. I yeah. don't know who he is. Next, Bill Dundee is introduced. He's wearing a very junky belt, Southern yeah. heavyweight. Jerry Calhoun is our referee, who looks like he just got off the set of the new Yankee workshop. <laughs> Shove off by Cobra Dundee with a takedown, stupid hiney dance like he's Bobby Backlund. It's very dumb. <laughs> it's but the, he's heel. That's he is why heel, yeah. This is like if Bob Backlund was a heel in 83. Doing his hiney dance. Yeah. <laughs> Into the ropes, reversed by Dundee in a backdrop. So unfortunately, the hard cam is like too low or it like stinks. <laughs> it is low. It's like below the height of the it's ring. Like they apron. haven't figured it out yet. No. <laughs> it makes it look even more charming. Uh, Dundee yells at the crowd, walks right into a drop kick by the Cobra and then a body slam for two. Hot offense here. <laughs> uh, back up, I gouge by Dundee. Some rights in the corner. Calhoun tells him to fuck off with all the punching, but Dundee with another big right sends Cobra down. Whip and a head down, but Cobra with a high kick and right hands of his own. Corner whip by the Cobra. Charge, flying head scissors. He's a house of snake. <laughs> yeah, he hisses a uh, second corner charge there. You get it? Uh-huh. And D- <laughs> Dundee nails a junky elbow drop for the win. No finisher? Or no. is that his finisher? Look, I'm really not sure. Elbow, like, it's like the way Slaughter won the world title. Yes! That's <laughs> it's the exact same finish. Well, it is a finisher. Perfect length on this one. Dave Brown always tells us at times. A minute 55. Perfect. Perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear. See, you know how I always make a big deal if the opener's long? Yep. This is this is my, this is a perfect mm, no complaints here. opener right there. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Dundee, meanwhile, looks like a librarian as he wanders over to Lance Russell. <laughs> I love how shitty he looks. It makes him so healing. I like him. The yeah. more I see him, I like him. He's so like, I am a skinny loser and, and, he's I, Australian. Never, and I never lose. <laughs> yep. Like, it's like, wow, what a piece of shit. I love him. Hey, he goes over to Lance, he puts on his sunglasses. <laughs> All proud. Yeah. And he's like, hey, tell the cloud up there to run some film. And it's a clip now we're going to see of Bill Dundee versus Dutch Mantel from recently at the Mid-South Coliseum. Dutch Mantel, all hairy as usual. Mm-hmm. Dundee heads out of the ring here, grabs a belt, tries to start whipping Dutch with it, but Dutch blocks. They get into a big tug of war. And by the way, face Dutch is weird. He is weird. Remember yeah. we saw him playing the guitar and it was great? Oh like, yeah, that's very longer. charming. <laughs> like, I'm going to take you to my house and we're going to play guitar. Dutch Mantel is such a fun talker. I love listening to him talk. He's a guy that, unfortunately... It's it's awesome that he's still alive and he can like impart his knowledge. But I really think that when he does eventually pass, I think he will retroactively be looked at as like a real like just a real great person in the business that was had a wealth of knowledge yep. and he will be appreciated much more. I think so too, and I think he's one of the best talkers I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm serious. Like I've I, even I heard really mean stuff that. now from him, and I'm I'm always impressed. Like, and this guy just. He was everywhere. Yeah. Like he saw everything. He he was whether a, it was like a fly in the wall backstage or like actually performing a booker, whatever the yeah. case may be, commentator, yeah. manager. One I know. of those guys that did it all, kind of like a Jim Cornette and people yeah. like that. He's even got experience Union. now because they, you know, he 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 came back just to kind of be there. Yeah, you know, just yeah. to just to see what was going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's good. I like him. The ref goes down in the midst of all this. Dundee kicks the ref out of the ring, and then Dundee beats the crap out of Dutch with the belt. But Dutch lands an O'Connor roll. And then Terry Taylor comes in to count Get a pin. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, what Terry. Is what is he doing here? 
God, he's so frustrating. Anytime he appears in anything, he just sucks. So like, he sucks, Joe. You know it. I don't like him. He's um, just annoying. <laughs> there comes Jerry Taylor. And Mandel gets a count from Taylor, not the referee. So the bell rings, but Dundee attacks from behind, nails Dutch with his southern heavyweight shitty belt, just in time for the real referee, Jerry Calhoun, again, to slide in and make the real count. Seriously, everything was ruined by Terry Taylor here. The guy is so annoying. He really cocked it up, if you will. So you're winner, Bill Dundee. Uh, We go back to Lance Russell and Bill Dundee, who... (laughs) He's like, I'm talking to the redneck watching TV with the big beer belly. You're a redneck and a loser. Well, that's hey, redneck. I'm talking to you. Yeah, you sitting there with that big beer belly eating that bullet. Wake up, boy. I'm talking to you. Yeah, there you go. I got you now. I see him. He's sitting in front of that TV set. You're a redneck and a loser. Dutch Mantel is a redneck and a loser. His promos are good. We said this the last time, right? Yep. With him, he's- Bill Dundee is like a hidden gem. He is. Um, he grabs his belt proudly, and now he bitches about how Terry Taylor sucks. Well, can't argue. <laughs> he's a face in that regard. Yeah. Apparently, Dutch recently went to Eddie Marlin, and he asked for a bullwhip. Yeah, Eddie Marlin. I always, <laughs> Eddie like, Marlin. I always like when Eddie Marlin... He's like the Mishima of this. <laughs> Shinma. Yeah. Um, he asked for a bullwhip on a pole match. You know who he should have went to? Vince Russo. Right. Mm. Uh, anyway, don't worry, Eddie Marlin will do it for him. <laughs> and Dundee's like, you don't even own a bullwhip. <laughs> he then proudly shows off Dutch's bullwhip that he stole, and he says he'll whip every stinking hair off of Dutch's back. I like that Dundee's bold enough to not like back away from the challenge. He's just like, no, I'll fucking kick your <laughs> yeah. ass, even though I'm like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> He's like five four. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Even Dutch is bigger than him. And yeah, Dutch is not a tall man yeah. either. Um, suddenly Dutch runs up out of nowhere in a proud red muscle tee. He gets Dundee the hell out of there. He goes over to the mic and he tells Dundee that he's going to kick his ass. Good! I know. When we put that bullwhip on the pole, I'm going to be the one coming down with it, Dundee. And when I come down with it, I'm going to lace you from hair to toe up and down. And then this part's great. Lance <laughs> reminds Dutch, he's like, okay, get in the ring. You have a match now. I love him. He like kindly asked Dutch. He's, it's like a game show. He's like, if you could get in there and then yeah. we'll, we'll proceed with the match, that will be really great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. I am going to whip you the next time we step in the ring. Make no mistake about that. Okay, Dutch, you got a match coming up. So if you'll just hop up into the ring, we'll be ready to go here. Do you ever get the impression that, like, Lance Russell is, like, the Gordon, like, he's kind of has some authority here? Yeah, not only that, he's, he seems like some kind of, like, director, but, like, on camera. Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, and move up. Okay, Why don't you move? get in the ring now? Why don't you move to the right a little bit, and, <laughs> and then we can aim the camera over here. Okay. Well, it. we got here now. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's like that. He's so good, man. I love him. That's kind of, like, that's a gorilla thing, too, because gorilla, yeah. like, sometimes you'd hear him be like... Camera 12 or whatever, like, you know, like it's that kind of mentality that like you have this veteran announcer that can tell the people that are producing the show how they should be doing and they it listen. and they listen to him. Gordon's yeah. another one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Dave Brown introduces Dutch's opponent, Bill Rose, who would fit right into 1993 WWF he canon. like Big John Callahan. Yeah. Jerry Calhoun's still the referee. We get a bell. Dutch tax on the corner. Goes right to work. Lots of punching. Sudden small package by Dutch gets to side headlock takeover, which is called a mare by Lance. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice mare on that. He says nice. that. He <laughs> did a nice mare. Like all whispery. <laughs> yeah. uh, back up. Tussle in the corner. As Lance says, the Dutch one. What is he? Gorilla with yeah, that? It, oh, it, the Dutch one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he does say this. Uh, suddenly Dundee storms in, of course. 
chokes Dutch with the bullwhip, and then the jobber Bill helps out, which is really funny. <laughs> Who does Bill think he is here? What is this? It's He's like getting involved in the Dundee feud. It's really good. So Dutch kicks him away, and then he gets out of the ring, finds himself a chair real quick, chases Dundee and the junkie guy away. So much action. I dude. love this yeah. stuff. Like, Dutch is fired up. He I just like that things move on this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our winner by DQ in one minute 35, by the way, mm-hmm. Dutch Mantel. Dutch looks mad and also very 70s. Have so you noticed him. this? Oh, yeah. yeah. We go to break, come back to the desk where Lance is like, okay. Okay. <laughs> As he <laughs> recaps the staggerly Lone Ranger confrontation recently. <laughs> and just to clarify a couple of things here before we get into it. The Lone Ranger is Plowboy Frazier. Now, do you, do you know who that is? Is it like King Kong Bundy or something? Fatter and worse. Much worse. Is it one of the hillbilly people? Yes. Which one what? do you think it might be? Uncle Elmer. Yes. Stan <laughs> Frazier. Uh, that would make the Plowboy thing make sense. Yeah. Pilbury Doughboy, maybe. Yeah. Stagger Lee is Coco Beware, and that's supposed to be one of those obvious things, kind of like Yellow Dog. Yeah, somebody like says Lance on does. Top, Yeah, it's like that's that must be him. We all think it's Coco Ware. Yeah, Coco Ware. <laughs> he didn't what have the B? B? He didn't have it yet. Weird. He got it later. Yeah. Anyway, we throw the footage of that match now from the Mid South Coliseum, Odd- I believe. And oddly, the first thing. So I'm <laughs> all these names fly by, Joe. Right. right? Yeah, so I'm quick. very confused when I'm watching this, <laughs> right. and this is this is my like genuine note like without any like sarcasm or just what i'm observing i'm seeing right i say we oddly throw to a gigantic hillbilly beating up a midget (laughs) as somebody with a ship mic says things over the loudspeaker that i can't understand that is my real life it's real actual what i observed without any prior knowledge no what was being said it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's that yeah Anyway, Lone Ranger here with a giant cholesterol-infused leg drop, and he misses a second. Stagger gets a quick pin. Suddenly, Jimmy Hart gets in and beats the crap out of Stagger Yeah, Lee. and he's all in wrestling trunks and all peppy. Yep. It's, almost, it's the most active I've ever seen Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was the man in Memphis for a little while there, folks, mm-hmm. and this is part of it. Uh, I think now what it sounds to me like is that Stagger gets five minutes alone with Jimmy because he won. That's why Jimmy got a oh, jump so on Jimmy's him. like, well... And the five minutes starts now. I might as well make sure he doesn't yeah. kick my kick the shit out of me, right? Yep, yep. And Jimmy's absolutely hilarious here. He takes off Stagger's mask. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's Coco Beware. Uh, and then Coco just kicks Jimmy's fucking ass. Mm-hmm. And then the Bruise Brothers run out. Not those. Bruise yeah, not brothers. the Nazi version. I not see that version. <laughs> no, yeah, these are Troy Graham. And Pork Chop Cash. Oh, yeah, Pork Chop. I know him. He's good. Uh, everyone beats down Coco before Mad Dog Boyd runs out to chase the heels away. Wearing a polo shirt, by the way. <laughs> very fancy. Uh, Mad Dog gives Coco a big hug. We go back to Lance, where some very festive music is playing. It's like 50s music. Yeah. I, I, It's like it came from a jukebox or it's, something. <laughs> at the sock hop. Yeah. Um, at the soda fountain, maybe. Um, Stagger Lee makes his entrance with his mask on again. Mad Dog Boyd, very stylish jacket by now, Mad, Mad Dog. Mad Dog looks good here. He doesn't have the great crappy polo. No, on. he has a good jacket on. Very shiny. Very shiny. Mad Slick too. Well tailored. Very. Yep. Mad Dog was apparently in Jimmy Hart's first family previously. Now he's turned face. So they go over to Lance Russell. And they're all happy. They're all happy here. Coco talks about how he's going to get rid of Jimmy Hart. But you know what? Things ain't going so hot for old Jimmy Hart right now, is it? Things ain't going so hot, but it's going pretty good for Stagger Lee right now. I guarantee you, right before it's over with, 
Mad Dog and myself, we definitely gonna get rid of Jimmy Hart and the whole entire Sinker family. Mad Dog says, you know, I was one of the original Bruce Brothers, and the best thing I ever fucking did was leave Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Lance likes it. He's like, ha that's true. This is a nice little segment. Now up to the ring, where Jerry Lawler enters to a very happy reaction. Remember King? I remember King. Now, he's mm-hmm. got, like, the chin-only goatee here. Right. You know the one I mean. Yeah, I know. It's not the mustache It's goatee. the more slick Jerry Lawler, like, more stylish. Like, evil goatee, it but looks it's like. It's not evil, though. He's very, like, I don't know. He's very... It's chic. Yeah, very fashionable. Very fashionable. Now, this is a handicap match, by the way. Yeah, king in a handicap match seems weird because he isn't, like, big or anything. No, but he's just he's, good. He's king. He's king. Yeah. He's good. Uh, his opponents are the Marauder and Pat Hutchinson. Oh, it wasn't came. Andy. The whole time I thought his name was Andy. No, because they probably said Andy Kaufman once. And oh, he... I see. Anyway. Uh, Jerry... was Andy Hutchinson no. the whole time. Uh, Jerry Calhoun is the only referee they have tonight, apparently, because he's once again there. Well, uh, I mean, it they can't matter. even get the hard camera right, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect? Yeah, it's Cut him a break. Difficult camera. Yeah. Anyway, King and Pat start. Pat looks like a young Larry Hennig. King avoids a punch. Marauda gets hit instead. King just laughs yeah. at them. <laughs> he's doing like nothing. Big uh, go King go chant. They lock up into the corner. Double team. But King again ducks a punch and Marauda flies off the apron. The heels argue outside. Lance mentions that Marauder actually normally has a regular partner. Oh, I see. And it's not this asshole, Pat Hutchinson. He stinks. <laughs> He's missing. He's the one fucking it all up. Yeah. By the way, Marauder is how Pete Winson says my last name. Really? The Our Vantage Point podcast with Joe Marauder and Michael Quinn. Can I just say the Marauder reminds me of like, He's like very like Baron Mikel Cicluna related or something like that. I don't know how else. Yeah, in like that a mask. Thing. Yeah. He's that kind of thing. Th- that kind of shitty. Like just dumpy. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, he probably once was something. Yeah. When? 1968 probably, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back in the lockup, Hutchinson with a full Nelson. Marauder comes in, tries to punch, nails Hutchinson. Lockup now is Dave Brown is actually getting pretty nervous that we're already at the two minute mark. I'm nervous. <laughs> that is not that's too long for this kind of match. Dave Brown always provides the updates and I appreciate him. For oh, he's it. very on top of the time. He's a man after your own heart with the timing. Yeah, he's <laughs> not a man after my own heart name wise, though. No, <laughs> Giants quarterback. Yeah. Uh, King punches punches Hutchinson a few times, tags him Marauder now. King with some punches, nice suplexa. He sets up the pile driver. King does. But Jerry Calhoun breaks it up. You know why? Because it's illegal. As I look for Bill Watts. <laughs> I never was a fan of this idea of let's make his finisher illegal to spice it up or whatever. Well, I, it's just lame. It's just a storyline device. You know what I mean? This is- yeah, but if it usually it lasts. Whenever they do that, right? Because it's yeah. a rule change. Yeah. You ever notice it always overstays its welcome? Like it's going on for like two years after it matters anymore. <laughs> and you're just like, and it, it like gets in the way of some other match that has nothing to do with why they made it illegal. It does sometimes get in the way of other matches. I, I give yeah. you that. Anyway, Lance says there's a lot of, there's a pile driver match coming up against Andy Kaufman. Don't worry, you'll get yeah. to see it. No. Don't worry, we'll tell you later. Dave Brown now mentions that we're three and a half minutes in and he does not sound happy. I thought it was really funny, <laughs> like how concerned he sounded at this right. point. He's like, oh, it's uh, three matches, guys. Well, uh, we're at the three and a half minute yeah, mark here. Maybe we should uh, wrap it up. <laughs> so the heels double team in the corner. King fights back, punches both, uses a king with a press slam on yeah, the water. bold. Very bold. Uh, second rope fist drop from the king gets the win. It's all over. I'll tell you what. Jerry Lawler, the wrestler, is good. Yeah. Jerry Lawler, keep him away from a microphone for the last 20 years or so. Well, but he's still he's good old. overall. A very yeah. old man. He very old. He doesn't understand things. Anyway, the announcers here chuckle about King's victory as we go to break. And when we come back, they're still all jolly. Yeah, old chummy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, great. Oh, what a good show we have yeah. here. Lance now brings up the history of irritations, he says. 
between Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. We uh, started talking a moment ago about the uh, Jerry the King Lawler, Andy Kaufman uh, history of the the uh, irritations and so forth, all of the things that took place. I think many of you were in from the beginning. And I just want to insert, why is this Memphis, Quinn? Why did Andy Kaufman choose Memphis? How did this right. happen? Right, and I was wondering this too because, listen, it's like Memphis, a lot of these promotions were on level footing in 83, yeah. right? But even so, Memphis, Memphis. Memphis is not that big. So what drew Andy Kaufman, the comedian who's, huh? you know, probably as any good comedian does, is probably writing jokes one day and looking for inspiration, maybe... Looking for opportunity. Look, uh, maybe uh, skimming the TV, seeing what, what's going on in current events. Sure. What leads him to Memphis as his target for wrestler character gimmick? Bill Apter, and I'll tell you why. Okay. He initially... He was a fan of wrestling and started the gimmick and all that of the intergender thing, and he initially approached one Vince McMahon Sr. about coming to New York. I see. To do an angle. Uh, he was even interviewed by Vince McMahon Jr., I believe, in 79 at a gotcha. WWF show. Vince Sr., very different from his son. We all know that. Very right. traditionalist. Didn't want to get involved with something like that. So, Andy Kaufman was a friend of Bill Apter's. And they were um, at Bill Apter's apartment in Queens, I think, or wherever Bill Apter lived. And Bill Apter said, you know what? You know where this might work? Memphis. And Bill Apter was a friend of Jerry Lawler. I see. Called up Jerry Lawler. So Apter was actually the connection here. He was the connection. He just he, happened to be a friend of Andy Kaufman. Yep. He knew Andy Kaufman and he called up Lawler and Lawler was like, wait a second. You have the guy from Taxi yeah. at your house? Yeah. Definitely set this up. You right, know what I mean? Exactly. King's like, no shit, we'll do this. You know what's funny about Bill Apter in general? What? He seems like somebody that have like went to high school with Andy Kaufman. Yeah, right? Like I like they just knew him from they, somewhere. They just look like they went to high school together. Went to the same deli. Yeah. You know, something like that. After grew up in the city, right? It, uh I believe it's from Queens or Long Island. Yeah, I think Andy Kaufman, it, Kaufman, Kaufman's definitely from New Queens. New York, yeah. So they might have just happened to be in the same like lived the, on the same street. Or yeah. Something like, like that. Like when they were kids. Yeah, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. They're only a few years apart. Kaufman's only a little younger. People, you know what's interesting about New York City in general? The way the population is so mixed up. Yeah, it's called it, a melting pot. Right, actually. it's a melting pot. I've heard. And it allows for a lot of these situations where, especially if you grew up in the city, you might just so happen to be next door neighbors with somebody who eventually became famous. Like, that's very common. It is common. You know well, what I mean? It's true. It's a breeding ground. Completely different industries. And you right. just are like, oh, I'm friends with, like, oh, yeah, know, I Robert know De Niro yeah, or something. Right. Like, he was like, I lived on in my building when I was a kid. I know Chris Rock. Yeah, you know, something you know like what that. I mean? Like, that can just happen. Yeah, I know Bon Jovi. It's very common there. Yeah. So I know Southside Johnny. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Lance, um, Lance goes into this recap here, which is about how Kaufman always wanted to be a wrestler. And this is like a news-style recap that someone at the station obviously did. I think well, it might I be I mean, they were Brown. employed by the, the, the station. They're chosen by the promoters, though. Yeah. So he started wrestling women. And then we get this recap where Andy, oh my God, I, I'm dropping in a lot of this because I can't do it justice. It's but so good. Some of it is him taunting Law and he's like, you want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me Memphis style? It's so stupid. And there's a laugh track for some reason. I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me Memphis style? All right, fine. It's yeah. so funny. And there's more clips. Again, I can't do justice. But one of them is like, you're from Memphis, Tennessee, and all you do is plow the fields, a farmer, the farmer. <laughs> Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the 
and you can farm the farm and you know what I love about the Andy Kaufman mocking impression too? It always devolves into either like it always like every single anytime he's doing an impression to mock it, it always devolves it into worse. one of the other. Yeah. The deep version of the or Yeah, it's amazing. I'm gonna send you back to the kitchen where you belong. I'm gonna have you scrubbing the potatoes and watching the washing the cabbage. And then he says, I have brains. I am from Hollywood. <laughs> As he looks like a big idiot. It's amazing. I love it. See, Mr. Lawler, you don't have any brains. I am from Hollywood. I have the brains. That- now we clip the king now somewhere saying, hey, Andy Coffin's a 145-pound TV actor. I'm going to kick his fucking ass. And you know what? You know what's good about this? They completely treated this as real. So to me, the genius of this, right, is that king is so is playing it so straight. Like, he's playing the natural reaction of somebody that, and this is why it's brilliant, Yep. of somebody that would, who's a, been a wrestler his whole life and be, would be actually really offended by somebody mocking his, his, yeah. his, his, like, his livelihood. His livelihood. Right. Whereas Andy Kaufman is treating it like a comedian would, making fun of everything that he can think of, you know, right. and, and being a dick. So, in, 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 in that sense, because of how King is acting, it's allowing him to be the face, too, because... Yeah. Some people might say, well, that's really funny. Andy Kaufman's mocking of stupid course. wrestling. Right, I might right. side with him. Right. But it's the way King is reacting to it is which is making him the face. You feel like sorry for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, He's coming that, into his home territory. And- right. He's mocking his livelihood. If, in any case, like if Andy Kaufman did that to uh, somebody who worked at a factory. Right. It's you know not what I mean? nice. It's not fucking nice. No, it's right? not nice at all. Yeah. So last April, a year ago in 1982, Andy Kaufman faced Jerry Lawler for the first time. Big anticipated match here. And King graciously allowed Kaufman to do anything he wanted. Just stood there. But Andy couldn't think of anything for a while, so he just killed some time. His attire is amazing, by the way. It's like a gray sweatsuit with shorts over it for zero reason <laughs> other than to like mock what he thinks wrestling yep, trunks would that's be. That's what I thought it, it was. so stupid. Yep. Like to, to make fun of wrestling trunks, he, essentially. Even his attire is mocking wrestling. Yep. So he goes for a side headlock. He hesitates, though. He finally puts it on all shittily. And Lawler calmly reaches up, drops Andy on his head with the back suplex. Well, he's dead. Yeah, well, some might say he's still alive. The way Kaufman sells it is actually really good because he looks like he's seriously injured. Already. <laughs> yeah, like one from one, with the first part. Lawler now calls for the pile driver. It's illegal. Famously lands it on Andy Kaufman. Vicious one, by the way. Yep. He really plants him. Yep. I think even Lance says he crowned him or yeah. something. <laughs> Probably something like that. Now, Jerry Calhoun, yes, he's actually seriously their only ref. He has to disqualify Lawler for that because right. obviously it's an uh, illegal move. Now, Danny Davis has mentioned now, his Kings manager. Is this the Danny Davis in the nightmares? Is it the ref? Yeah. Like, it's got to be the nightmare one. If it's yeah. Dan Marsh, the real Danny Davis, the ref. There's like so many Danny Davises. He was in WWF refing at the time. Yeah. So no, it's got to be uh, the nightmare. Anyway. King drags Kaufman up again and nails him with another pile driver. And apparently Bob Zamuda's there, and that's Andy Kaufman's partner, like writer, who also played Tony Clifton. Also sometimes. was his like one of his long longest friends one from if you've seen friends. the movie. Yeah. Yep. And George Sapiro, yes, that George Shapiro, our ringside for this. He's Wait. a he's a Hollywood guy that you might have heard of. He was Seinfeld's manager as well. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's why. 
Now that's that is Andy's real life real manager. life manager. Like, that's yeah, not, that's no, that's not a work. Correct. No, now, we know Zamuda is like Zamuda is like famously like Andy's friend for life. Like, yeah, like his partner, but wasn't like a mainstream. Yeah, and guy. if you if maybe you're still trying to figure out who that is, if you watch Man on the Moon, he's the guy that sticks with Andy even when everyone starts dropping him when yep. they think he's faking dying or whatever. Yes, correct. Like Bob sticks with him till the end, and he still played Tony Clifton after right. Kaufman died, which exactly was like in funny. honor, in yeah. honor, yeah. Uh, so now we get a clip to Kaufman getting loaded on a stretcher and transported out of there. And I got to tell you, and this is a credit to the to Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler to Memphis. There's no way that most of these fans, if not all of them didn't think this was real. Like, I think everyone believed this was real. But that's Andy Kaufman for you. That's always where all this stuff went, right? This is this is like, this is the punchline to Andy. Like, right. and that's been talked about before, is Andy thought it was humorous if people thought something really bad happened and if they thought it was real. And we're still very the, much, yeah. The, this is of- the literal punchline for Andy is where he gets his ass whooped. Yeah. And like everyone thinks he's really gotten his ass whooped. Well, because the way they pull it off, right, is wrestling is still not, um, obviously people know it's not real, but not everyone thinks that all the time. Right. And the news doesn't say that. And the way they pull it off is Jerry Lawler just did three moves to him. Right. And maybe he really did hurt him. But then Andy somehow gets the news and shit to report that he's like in the hospital. Because he really was in the hospital for three days. For three Three days. days. But he really was. Yeah. He really was lying about what's wrong. He says he's in like traction and all this shit. Of course. So, yeah, he was in the hospital three days. He eventually met up with King on late night with David Letterman, which is a brand new show. Prior, this is this is the thing I've heard that people say, this is how Letterman, his show got famous. Part basically. of it. Yeah, this was a it. big deal. Well, because it was in its infancy here in 1982. I mean, it was brand new. It had just started, I think, in February of 82. And this seems like something that early Dave would get his hand, oh, he wanted to get yeah. involved in, because th- this, is, this is totally up the the more innovative Dave Letterman side of the things. Absurdity, the, 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 comedian, the comedian aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. So Kaufman, in his neck brace, says, and this is a great explanation because now he's like, you know, now this is real Andy right. Kaufman, yeah, right? This is like, real, yeah, sure. And he's like, I was just playing a bad guy wrestler. I, you know, I wasn't serious about it. He was taking it too seriously. Jerry Lawler was taking it too seriously. He's yeah. like, I've apologized. I want Lawler to apologize too. I was playing bad guy. That's what I was doing. I was playing bad guy wrestler. It was a role I was playing. I wasn't serious about it. I don't take things like that seriously. Like, I am a star. I'm from, you know, um, that was just a role I was uh-huh. playing. I could have sued you. Yeah, I could have sued you. My dad. No, the the punchline there is so funny because he says, "Yeah, my my dad told me that I should." Oh my god! And the crowd like cracks up when he says that because it's so like like rich kid like fuck this guy. Like my dad told me I could have sued you. Yeah. Uh, Also, what do you think of the way King looks, Quinn? King. Okay, so first of all, again, it's fashionable. King. King looks for the day. He looks like. Well, this guy's like he, well dressed. He, well, right? he looks good, right? Is Impressive. He looks like a respectable dude. And he looks like a big nerd. Yeah, like you know what I mean. The suit. Like and and you're looking like as an audience member, you're like. Man, Andy Kaufman really made a big mistake. Yeah. Like this guy, he really offended this guy. He really you know, offended like, this that's wrestler. Way, that's why like King looks like mad in like a disappointed like man everyone treats me like this kind yeah. of way like and it's like you're like again you're like sympathizing with him if you're like a person who doesn't know anything about it. Right. like he mocked this guy's profession that's right. fucked up right and he paid for it yeah so Kaufman like you said he mentioned the, the line about suing and he's like I didn't do that because I'm not that kind of guy and right King, yeah King 
What kind of a guy are you? My father said, my father said, my manager said, they all said that I had a right, I could have gotten a lawyer and I could have sued you for what you did and I didn't. And I just, all I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I, if I was uh, going to have a that's lawsuit right. and yeah. I could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I didn't because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what kind of a guy are you? No. You're not the kind of guy you are. I'll just be over here. Uh. And Letterman gets uncomfortable. We go to break. As we're going to break, Lawler slaps Andy Kaufman out of his chair. We're going to uh, pause here for station identification and get the hoses out here. So we come back from break and Kaufman comes back on the scene afterwards and goes on a profanity-laced tirade. With the cuckoo noises instead of bleeps, it's so silly. (laughs) Now, the the uncensored version is available out there if you want to look it up. Yeah, and he really does say... And How, is Dave like trying not to laugh in the background? Well, yeah, I was yeah, just going to mention him. So Letterman did a great job because yeah. Letterman has recently admitted, I think it was on Mark Maron's podcast or one of those, that he was in on it. Right. But he didn't say that publicly for years. And obviously, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman never said that until 10 years after Kaufman died. I mean, that died. was always the deal with anybody on stage. If you were with Andy, you had to participate. Yeah. You had to, you had to it be was one, you had to kayfabe. It was one, everything that was going on on stage was real. And that's why wrestling was a perfect match for Andy it's Kaufman. Perfect. It's exactly. Perfect. I think it illustrates exactly yep. why Andy made it work so well. Yep, exactly. Right? So he storms off the set before coming back to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he just uses his language again, which right, is really yeah. funny. I love the whole thing. And he throws coffee on the king, by the way. We cut now to Jerry Lawler apparently got an AWA title shot against Nick Bockwinkel. Now this is allegedly like months later or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, this it's is a while later. Yeah, a while later. King's got Bockwinkel covered, but the referee is distracted by Jimmy Hart, who's wearing a mask. Wait, 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 oh, wait a second. The real Jimmy Hart just came out. Wait, the mask what? guy isn't Uh-oh. Jimmy Hart. Roll up by Bockwinkel. It's all over. He retains. So Jimmy Hart and the masked man now celebrate. Meanwhile, we're having technical difficulties at the station now, here today. I couldn't figure out. But part of me was like, is this tape fucked up or is the broadcast fucked up? I couldn't tell either. Yeah. Someone's tape somewhere is messed up yeah. here, and yeah. that's real. Finally, the masked man takes off his mask, and it's Andy fucking Kaufman. King is pissed. Jimmy Hart, by the way, is hilarious as oh, they it's go wonderful. over. Yeah. Lance is like, what what has this kind of a thing? He's so <laughs> upset. Lance is like, this is bullshit. Yeah, what are you doing? Come here, Andy! We got the brains, baby! We got the brains! What is this kind of a thing? You- he who laughs, laughs, laughs the loudest, baby! So Kaufman now turns into Roddy Piper as he's yeah. yelling at King. <laughs> Lawler, I can do! And he hightails it the fuck out of there with Jimmy. <laughs> Andy and Jimmy Hart were in cahoots, and it's wonderful. What a good pairing. Yeah. <laughs> um, later on, Lance caught up with him backstage, and Lance is like, don't you have anything better to do than to try to gig Lawler and bother him like this? And Andy's like, look, he put me in the hospital. He broke Jimmy Hart's arm. No, so fuck him, basically. Yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> no, and he's very proud to have stopped Lawler from winning that title. More technical difficulties <laughs> yeah. now. It makes it even better. It adds can, to the can charm. Can we comment on Andy's like suit, by the way? <laughs> Go ahead. He's got like a you know like white shirt, obviously, and yep. you know I think he's even got white pants on, which is weird. Yeah. But on top of it, he's got like a vest, <laughs> and it's all like. It's like a sparkly purple sequence. It's, it's real. really weird. It's really, really he funny. He looks so dumb. He looks, and that's obviously the point, right? Yeah, like, it's amazing. So, we now hype up 
this big rematch. Right. Go back to Lance, who says that Eddie Marlin, remember him? Eddie Marlin, right. The Misham of this. Shinma. He talked to Lawler and he's like, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you, what do you need, Jerry I'll give Lawler? you whatever you want. Whatever you, you want. screwed, right? Yep. So Eddie went through all of these proper procedures, Lance says, and channels to get Andy, Andy Kaufman back. Substantial financial reward for Andy, which mm-hmm. totally makes sense because why else would he do it, right? right. It's, it's, it's actually well thought out. It's great. Yeah. Kaufman says, see, he's not a dummy. Remember, he's from Hollywood. He's right. smart. He, he's, I'm smart. You're from Memphis. <laughs> he says he's only going to wrestle King if he gets a partner. And King is like, that's fine. Yeah, he's uh, like, yeah. okay. It's like, you're you're nothing. Yeah. It's like, I'm really wrestling that guy. I'm not wrestling you. Which is why I guess he had that uh, that tune-up, that right. handicap match. I see. see? Oh, see, it all there makes sense. Go. I didn't even think about that part. There you go. So, Lance now throws to Andy again, but he warns us, you know, some of his language had to be edited out again, and we cut to Kaufman in some doofus-looking room with a fern. Yeah. This is all cut up, too, to make the language. Yeah. I think they just had to cut it up That's for other purpose. reasons. Yes. Yeah, but anyway. And they covered it. So, he's very calm here. It's mm-hmm. like, I wrestled Jerry Lawler last year. It was unfair, and I wasn't prepared. Kind of gives us a whole background yeah. of what we just saw, really. And he, the best part, he used an illegal hold. He purposely tried to injure me. All serious. Yeah. yeah. So, as a result, Andy has offered a lot of money for someone to injure the king. Oh. He then makes monkey impressions before calling <laughs> Lawler a stupid hick and doing funny voices. It's absurd. <laughs> and then... <laughs> part he ends on a stupid face but then there's a jump cut to him making the face even more stupid it's amazing i can't even believe it and back to lance russell who's like you gotta wonder about that dude <laughs> dude dude uh, there he is andy kaufman and boy i'll tell you you gotta wonder about that dude but he'll be here the match has been made as a matter of fact lance russell's amazing i love him uh the partner's still a mystery by the way if you right. care it turned out to be a guy named colossus of death i don't know who it is None, nobody Doesn't cares about him we go to break we come back where Dave Brown introduces Larry Hare. As I swear that's his name. I, we thought that, I thought that that was fake. I, you know, I actually rewound. So did I. I was like, that can't be his name. It's really Larry Hare. he's actually Harry. Yeah. It's amazing. Larry Hare, uh, his opponent, Steve-O. Not the guy from MTV. No, not that not, jackass. Not Steve-O. No. Yeah. Uh, guess who the ref is? If you guess Jerry Calhoun, you'd be correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start now, but thankfully Jim Cornette, yes, Jim Cornette wanders over to Lance so wait, and starts yelling at Steve-O. here? <laughs> yeah. I never even thought he was in Memphis. I think that's where one of the early places he started. And I don't, I don't think of Cornette in Memphis. I nah. think of Crockett's in Cornette. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. But no, I think he was there for a little while. Lance wants him to leave, like, immediately. He's like, can you get out of here? <laughs> yeah, Lance is all annoyed by him. Not, like, like in a Lance way, like, very quietly. Yeah, like, not yelling. Yeah, it's Lance doesn't like, yell. Ugh, like, you know, like, like, really? That. I gotta deal with this bozo? You yeah, know that, that type. kind of thing. <laughs> Lance, I had to come in today and say hello to my old friend, no, old Sanoski. Yeah, hello, Polak! How you doing? You know, I came in. I'm leaving the man alone. So we get some laying around here. Where Cornette makes a lot of Polish jokes about Stevo. Yeah, he then yells Polak at him. What a jerk! <laughs> well, that's the point. Right? I know, but I mean, like nowadays, this shit wouldn't pass. No, of course not. No. Uh, a bunch of absolute nothing happens as Cornette continues to heckle Stevo. Lance gets more annoyed. Cornette is much more entertaining than this match. Though. Absolutely, they, it's, it's like poor. they knew it. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? They're like. This is going to suck. Let's put Cornette on. Yeah, this is a storyline match, yeah. right? So as Steve-O sets up a neckbreaker, some masked idiot named the Galaxian, I don't care. Looks like a big doofus. Big idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he runs out and attacks Steve with a chair. Cornette just runs in and joins in the fun with like some stomping, and Larry Hare helps out, too. Yeah, what's he doing here? Possibly making up for his horrible name. Yeah, I don't Larry know. Hare get 
There's a lot of this. This is the second time now where, like, whoever they're fighting, if someone interferes, they, like, help. It makes logical sense. Like, I mean, they want to win, right? Yeah, why not? Carl Fergie and Bobby Fulton run out to make the save. Looking like jobbers yes, here. Yes, they do. Lance needs to know the time, so he asked Dave Brown. It's 314. You know why long. he needs to know? Because I'm pretty sure Lance is just directing the show at this point. <laughs> he's like, how much is left? He's, Haven't, like, looking at his watch and shit. Haven't we hypothesized that, that Lance is running the show? Lance and Dave are kind of running the show. Which makes... 100% sense, and I'll tell you why. Why? Why is Dave so focused on the time the whole the whole way He's through? He's got to make sure they're staying on schedule, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, yeah. and it's it's for Lance that Lance can just quickly do shit. Yep. Notice something later about this time shit, because it's very interesting. Okay. That I think it proves our theory here. Alrighty. So Steve-O goes over to the desk, threatens to put Jim Cornette in the Twilight Zone forever. Whatever that means. I'm dumb. I'm bad line. Yeah. We go to break and we come back for our expiration of time match. Yeah, note that. Note that. What an honor, by the way. Yeah. What <laughs> to be in that match. Right. That, that's where you're you like keep fighting until time runs out. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting until time runs out. Yeah. We Unless come, something happens. Yeah. We come back where the Blues Brothers theme is playing. Yeah. As the Bruise Brothers storm out. Get it? That's funny. They immediately kick the shit out of Carl Fergie and Bobby Fulton. Yeah, the jobbers from before that <laughs> yeah. made the save. They're <laughs> yeah. they're the jobbers by wrestling the now. Porkchop Cash is amazing. I love him. I love his Pretty name. Good. He's, he's yeah. good. Uh, they double-team Fulton with a chair. Well, Jimmy Hart, yes, makes a fuss on the outside. Porkchop gets a very quick ping. Like, super quick. Good. My kind of squash. No bullshit. But, Joe, yeah. that fucks up our time thing. Yeah, because it's supposed to be, they're supposed to keep wrestling. Right. Until the, end of the ma- until the end of the show. Right. So, this gets funny because Lance continues on here. Yeah. And it's my understanding, this is what I found so weird about all this. What? Is that in an expiration time match, the way Lance talks afterwards, yeah. they're supposed to keep wrestling and yes. like there could be multiple falls. That's what it. happens, yeah. It's essentially an Iron Man match that's only like four minutes long or something. <laughs> yeah. It's an really weird. Iron Man match. Yeah. Uh, so Jimmy goes over to Lance and he's like, oh, my plane got in late today. And then leaves. Running <laughs> off like an idiot, all stupid. Dave Brown makes sure to tell us that the match we just saw, 45 seconds. Right. <laughs> so we go to break. We come back where Lance is plugging a fight night this Tuesday in the Louisville Gardens. That Bill Dundee versus Dutch Mantel and a stretcher match. The Moondogs versus the Fabulous Ones. So now Jimmy Hart wanders in with his Moondogs, baby. They work here now? <laughs> How many... People does Jimmy Hart manage, by the way? Like he didn't it's like everyone. He's like fucking Lou or something. He was the man. He was the heel manager of Memphis for a while, Quinn. Unbelievable. The man. Yeah. That's why WWF picked him up. Uh and by the way, the Moondogs here, it is spotty and Rex. It's it's the real one. Yeah, not like the later ones. Like Demolition Smash and And, and uh Spotty. Yeah, and Spotty. <laughs> and Spotty. Yeah. Uh no Cujo or any of those. Yeah. So they chew with their bones while Jimmy rants. He's so good. Back to the regular desk now, as the announcers are talking about. It was very unfair that the Brewers brothers won that match, but whatever. It's yeah. still supposed to be going on, isn't yeah, it? That's what it, that's what he's getting at. Yeah. It's like he's saying essentially it's like, well, everyone fucking left, so yeah. like, we're just gonna end it there. Yeah, that's what uh, it is. Yeah, that's literally what happens. It's funny. So Dave Brown briefly recaps every result that we saw of tonight's matches. Like it's horse racing. Yeah. Like, if you've ever watched a horse race, like have you ever watched it on TV before? No. Well, usually at the end Why of the, would I do that? at the end of I, sometimes it's because it's only like a half an hour. Sometimes I watch it by accident late at night, like by accident. Yeah, because you just usually, left it on by accident. So 
uh, sometimes when I was like really into baseball, there'd be like a late baseball game, right? I miss when you were really into baseball. Yeah. And so I'd be watching a late baseball game, right? And it'd be like, I don't know, like two in the morning or something Oakland like that. versus New York in Oakland, right? Right. Or, and, and I would be flipping the channels afterwards to like other sports to see the recap, like just to see the highlights after I watched what I watched, yeah, right? Sure. And sometimes like I would stumble on a channel where there was like, they were replaying the horse races from that day. So, you know, obsessive gambling people could like get their results at like at like four in the morning or whatever i like the uh the saratoga springs uh miss the stinky yeah but this is <laughs> this is not that this is like the dingy like meadowlands oh. racetrack <laughs> results right eaten town like oeb shit <laughs> or otb shit OTB. right right so basically they're showing you all the races and then you'd see at the end some guy would come on and then literally list off every horse race you oh, just God. watched and it's like and uh yellow winner just won or something and that you know all this shit that's captivating huh yeah and it would just go list off everything good times yeah anyway I can't believe Larry Hare is a real name. I, yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest takeaways from the results there. Because he says Larry and, uh, Hare. Larry Hare. Yeah. Larry Hare. Anyway, we sign off. That's it. Oh, and remember, our disclaimer, the announcers on this program were selected and paid for by parties other than the station, namely the promoters of Championship Wrestling. It's very important. Yeah. You gotta know that. Uh, anyway, this was a really, really fun it's watch. Great. Obviously, it was mainly because of the Kaufman stuff, but guess what? I also like the Dundee Dutch Mantel angle. Yep. That's that's a lot of fun, too. I like too. all the quick squashes. All the quick stuff. Uh, hearing younger Cornette and Jimmy Hart like in his prime as a manager is mm-hmm. always great. Plus the announcers. You can't beat them, Quinn. Lovely little show. Easy to watch. Memphis always delivers. It does, Quinn. Yeah, it always does. And uh, folks, we're going to be trying to take a lot of suggestions. We opened that up on Facebook for reviews. What we're looking for is specific review requests. I have a post that Merkel is tagged in, so he's going to manage that for us. Specific episodes of shows, let us know. And uh, we will try to chip away at that list over time. You know, right, Not right. all this season, but over time. We will try to do that. We'll consider what we can do. But Quinn, I'm glad that you you wanted to do this. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad we did. wanted to touch up on Kaufman. We've never done it. I'm so glad we did. And folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. 213 is now in the books. We will be back next week for 214 for the Royal Flush and much more. I want to remind you, if you want more OVP, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Give it a shot. Give it a look. Give it a browse. Try it out. You can also uh, check us out on the Twitter at OVP podcast. I recovered there. You see that? <laughs> at OVP podcast on Twitter. Clips, 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 clips. And obviously shoot us an email, OVP podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, though, spring is coming soon. I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. this bullshit you are full of bullshit my friend i will sue you for everything you have i will sue your ass you're a motherfucking asshole as far as i'm concerned you hear me a fucking asshole fuck you i will get you for this i am sorry i am sorry to use those words on television i apologize to all my i'm sorry i'm sorry but you you're a fucking asshole